This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Tuesday, November 14th. This is episode 182. I am... The bearded ginger guy, Mr. Dan, Dan Ellis. <laughs> and Ryan Duffy's not enough in uh, the studio with us. In office. He's out of there. the office today. He's yeah. out of the office. He's glamping. Did you see the fucking picture I posted? <laughs> no. He's in a yurt. I don't follow him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He took a picture and posted it outside of a yurt in Goblin Valley. Sounds kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't know they had those down there. I, I have always just like camped on the ground. In Goblin Valley, I didn't know <laughs> that they had yurts with water and all <laughs> kinds of fancy <laughs> amenities like that. But yeah, so he's not well, here tonight. Matt's here. I'm here working the board in Ryan's absence, and uh, we we have a bunch of fun stuff to talk about. We're gonna maybe. talk about well, maybe <laughs> we talked about it a little bit pre-show. We'll have to see how that all goes. Mm-hmm. Lots in the news this week. What did you do this week? Um, yeah, nothing. Nothing? Not a, not no, a damn thing. Not a lot. Mm. Uh, I attended Megan Kennedy's uh, talk again, the, mm-hmm. the Ones Who Dwell Within, talking about the phenomenon of spirit and demon possession, which was awesome again. She's a fucking trooper, man. She was very sick and oh, still really? made it out to the talk. Yeah, we. She's I, awesome. Yeah, she's really cool. I was hoping to be able to buy her lunch afterward, but she was just way too sick. But still made it out to the talk and did a fantastic job. And I got some good audio for that. It was we did it in a room in the library with we did it in a room with a bunch of backlight, <laughs> and so I couldn't get good video of it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could have if I knew how to use my camera a little better. Hmm. But I'm I'm not all that familiar with the settings on it. Anyway, I got some good audio, and I'll sync that up with her uh, slide presentation and get that posted sometime in the near future. Sweet. Want to make a quick note that we will not be recording next week. We will not have a show out. I might throw out like a best of or something, but I'm not sure. Maybe you all could let us know if you would like a best of or something. That's a big undertaking. Well, for, for just a week. Well, maybe just a rebroadcast or something. Yeah. Or or maybe I could put together like different patron only sections and release that for oh, there the you public go. or something. That wouldn't be too hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. And I could just kind of splice them together. Some of the older Patreon only yeah. content and just put it together for Yeah. That might be that, good. I think that's fair. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, but yeah, we won't be recording next week because we have, well, I have family arriving in town who will be staying with us for the holiday and they're arriving on Tuesday when we would be recording and then are staying the whole week. And I just wouldn't have any time to edit the show without, you know, abandoning Tracy to have to face visiting with, (laughs) with the family by herself. So 
Um, we're just going to forego that. We're going to take a week off for the holiday. Hope you all have a fantastic holiday. Uh, let's get into the parts of the show. Hey, everybody. It's X from the Utah Outcasts podcast and YouTube channel. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Allowing the notion that the earth is 6,000 years old to be promulgated in schools is like teaching kids that the distance across the United States is 17 feet. That's how big an error it is. Now, you might say, look, a lot of people believe that. So don't we owe it to them to allow their views to be present in school? Well, as I've often said, the purpose of education is not to validate ignorance, but to overcome it. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Well, fresh on the heels of another mass shooting today in California. Yeah. Matt alluded last week, or not even alluded, you said you've changed your position on guns a bit. Yeah, that might have been a little bit unfair, or I might have lied to everybody. Because <laughs> the, tr- the truth is that that I haven't really switched my position as much uh, as much as it is I think the way we go about it might need to be different than what I've been saying up to this point. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I've been kind of working on this for quite a long time actually it's been sort of backburnered but i've just been kind of close adding to it since the orlando shooting well so what have you previously said stated as your position on just fucking take them from everybody right right now you can't have your toys anymore yeah until you can play nice yeah you don't don't get to have this stuff so yeah um including police oh yeah yeah I i don't i don't see why they should need to have them if we don't so uh, then they can go back to trying to be civil and use the other stuff that we've already spent a ton of money on developing for them, mm. like tasers and pepper spray and all the non-lethal, all that stuff. other yeah. stuff that they've yeah. got that they don't ever make use of, mm. um, or not nearly enough. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I I kind of miss the days of us complaining about police tasing people mm-hmm. too often. Yeah, brutality instead of just outright killing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and other countries, you know. Like you, you can see videos of from Britain where they'll be armed uh, citizens, and they get they get it taken care of, <laughs> you yeah. know, without shooting him to death. Yeah. So it it can be done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this, like I said, I've been kind of I had to rework it a little bit because some of it was based on the stuff from the Pulse shooting, because hmm. uh, that's when I sort of started this the Pulse Orlando. Mm-hmm nightclub shooting yeah. yeah so some of this refers to stuff back then and i actually was using a bit of a piece from todd starnes that was referring to the orlando shooting yeah uh but he still i left it all in there because it still is a good representation of how people well, him and people like of how him shitty think. todd yeah. starnes is yeah and people like him <laughs> who have hold those views so i'll just blow through this real quick and then we'll get into more other stuff. God damn, it's longer than I thought. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. All right. The Fox News megaphone Todd Starnes took time away from finishing his PhD in misinformation to blow hard about the most deadly mass shooting in U.S. history. Was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he apparently sought to provide some much needed but solutionless pandering to his audience of real Larry the Cable guys about the left's perceived ineptitude and Obama's as well, because that was when Obama was in office. Hmm. Uh, Starnes wrote this page 
about, or sorry, Stearns wrote this about the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, quote, over the past eight years, the Obama administration has never let a crisis go to waste. The Orlando terrorist attack was no different. And here goes Close Todd Starnes not allowing it to go to waste either, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's assumed that, that Starnes wrote this while thinking there might be some other time that would be preferable to discuss the thing that's just occurred. But without his timeline for when it is appropriate to talk about issues, we'll just have to take him at his word that Obama got it wrong. Uh, so Starnes is in favor of an extended waiting period to talk about gun crime, but not for actually buying a gun. Got it. Yeah, that's just the fucking thing. Like when when the Vegas shooting happened, I made posts about that and, and I mentioned it a couple shows ago that mm-hmm. there was somebody who I'm friends with on Facebook who decided to argue with me that, well, you shouldn't talk about it right now. And how how yeah, dare yeah, yeah. you, sir, right. politicize the deaths of these people? Yeah. When the fuck can I talk about it? If we have a mass shooting every other fucking day, does that reset the clock that mm-hmm. I can't talk about any of them? Mm-hmm. Do, or, or do I have to wait until- you know, a certain amount of time has passed for one shooting, and then we have a bunch more before I can talk about the shooting, you know, six fucking shootings ago. Right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But no, because then it doesn't work because they just had one, and so it's still too soon Right, so to it talk resets about. the whole Yeah, plot. it does, it yeah. does, yeah, it does. Um, Starnes continued saying, quote, President Obama co-opted an, an, an Islamic radical terrorist attack and turned it into a ca- campaign to ban assault rifles, which he never fucking did. Mm-mm. Never even tried to. Um, then added the right-wing ubiquitous twisting of facts by saying, if the president really wanted to be tough on terrorism, he would actually acknowledge the real enemy and he would stop making it easy for jihadists to cross our borders. But <laughs> I wonder who Todd Starnes voted for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, but I am going to throw him a tiny bone here because liberals do need to address Islam as problematic. In the same way that conservatives need to accept guns play a role in fucking shootings. Mm-hmm. Uh, without even coming up for air, Starnes then moves into a tirade against mainstream media outlets. And he works for <laughs> one of the fucking mainstream yeah, media outlets. Of which the multi-billion dollar international Fox network is apparently not a part. <laughs> by quoting the New York Daily News. <laughs> Real mainstream. <laughs> For calling the NRA traders in a sarcastic line, reading, thanks, NRA, because of your continued opposition to an assault rifle ban, terrorists like this lunatic can legally buy a killing machine and perpetrate the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. Modern. I, I've had people <sighs> yeah, right, right, take right. exception with in U.S. history because, sure. of course, you know, there there were other big slaughters. We're, we're talking modern times. Where people can just go and purchase guns to mow down since, other since civilians. Since we've kept a record of such a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starnes caps it all by asking of his scarcely literate audience, can you believe people actually read this garbage? No, if you'll excuse me while I go read my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and then the talking snake said, here, eat this magical apple. <laughs> He went further by saying that the anti-gun crowd has become unhinged, and the truth is that most of them would not be able to tell the difference between an AR-15 and a super soaker. Hyperbole aside, I get his point here that many liberals aren't romantically equated with firearms as he is, uh, but it's a complete red herring. Just because someone isn't obsessed with your hobby doesn't mean they can't see a problem where one exists. 
Mr. Starnes, do you happen to know where NFL defensive end Dwight Freeney went to college? What number he wears? Which teams he's played for? What his 40-yard dash time is? Because if you don't, then concussions are not a real problem in football. (laughs) Starnes closes with the classic GOP false dichotomy on this subject. The enemy is radical Islam, folks, not the NRA. Guns don't kill people. Muslims kill people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the fact is that both radical Islam and guns were involved in Orlando. And worse still, religion only gets mentioned by the right when the shooters are non-Christian. Will he say radical Christianity and not the NRA is the problem? No. He'll move the goalposts again to mental illness. Uh, I highlight these to set up the one side of the gun debate. Uh, the one I strongly disagree with to illustrate that for the second amendment fetishists, there can be no compromise, no relenting, no surrender. They aren't even willing to discuss it. Uh, I, for one, am not content with simply shutting my brain off and throwing my hands in the air. How many innocent people must die before this gets examined for Starnes and the countless Americans like him so far, that answer is unknown. Uh, Thousands have already paid the ultimate price in large part because the right has an eternal case of fingers and ears syndrome. Well, and even if even if we were to take them at their word that they believe the mental illness is the is the more pressing issue here, they're not doing anything about that. About that either. They're not doing a fucking thing for that. No. In fact, in fact, they've they've done the opposite of doing anything for that. They've made it easier for mentally ill people to get guns. Right. Um. But this is far from where it ends, however. Uh, remember when Philando Castile was shot and killed in Minnesota? Mr. Castile was legally carrying a firearm and informed officers during the traffic stop. So what do Todd Starnes and others like him say about this? Was it justified? Who was the good guy with the gun? Or is it just an acceptable risk? The risk that other people lose their lives as long as you can cuddle your Glock at night. Having a gun for protection... as is so often cited by the right, did not help Mr. Castile at all. In fact, it may have been the biggest reason he was killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The police are rightly criticized for killing unarmed citizens in this country. But what if the citizen is armed? Has the focus on on being unarmed swayed opinion that it's justified to kill any armed citizen? It almost seems to make a strange and macabre kind of sense. Uh, This exchange of bullets isn't entirely one way, however. In the aftermath of of the Castile shooting, five officers were murdered in Dallas simply because they were cops. The shooter claimed his motivation was based in his frustration about the high percentage of black men being killed by officers uh, who never face prosecution. So I'm against people dying. Mm -hmm. All people, all dying. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Can we stop fucking shooting each other and figure this out? Uh, Todd Starn says the answer is more guns despite all the evidence against that position and the intuitive understanding that that's not the answer. Since the Dallas incident, police departments across the country are ramping up protection of officers and security measures, which of course is the natural reaction to a highly emotional situation. But what are the implications of it? Are officers targets? I mean, in this case and others, certainly yes, but how does it compare to their offensive actions? So during that year, 42 officers were killed by citizens. That's Way too many, but but 986 citizens were killed by police. That's 23 times. Just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Black males make up a a significant number of those. And while I understand that police don't want any officers to die, and I don't either, how do we make sure that no citizens are killed unnecessarily as well? 
given the climate, the ramped up security does seem little does seem like little more than an escalation of an already volatile scenario. Should citizens arm themselves for for protection too? Well, at least in the case of Mr. Castile, that meant certain death. If everyone has a gun, how will officers know who's the deer hunter, who's a potential mass murderer or cop killer? And how do citizens know the difference between a good and a bad cop? So what we're left with is that only one side, uh, the police who already have the advantage, are going to be able to increase their leverage. Uh, the Dallas police chief said, our profession is hurting. We must, st- we must stop this divisiveness between our, pol- our police and our citizens, which I wholeheartedly agree. The uphill battle for police is that because they have the upper hand and the authority, they'll need to take the first few steps in this and do it without imposing it. So I've provided a long list of examples illustrating what is not the answer, but what is? Outlaw and remove guns from American society? No. Uh, Despite my many and long-winded, mostly substance-free tantrums to the contrary, (laughs) I no longer think that outlawing guns will be viable nor an adequate solution to the problem, at least not in the current American societal climate. Um, I prefer the hyper-rational position. If guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. No, I'm just kidding. Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't seem like the hyper-rational position. (laughs) Not quite. Uh, but that would mean that but what would it mean to ban guns in the United States? We would be obliged to begin by passing legislation and writing criminal laws which necessarily lead to new crimes and more significantly more criminals. Beyond that, the implications are new pretexts for militarizing police forces and further widening the chasm of police citizen power imbalance and progressing the racial prejudice and potential for overpolicing for those who already have that tendency. The aforementioned examples, and many more I haven't named, are a steady reminder that police forces operate with little constraint in poor and minority neighborhoods. Issues like uh, SWAT search and seizures or the egregious stop and frisk policies, mass incarceration for minor crimes and, and parole monitoring are just a few examples of how we already subject these populations to multifaceted and complexly layered system of coercion control and targeted subjugation. Already more than 7 million Americans are part of this system, and disproportionately poor and minority groups are affected. Take as an example the already instituted war on drugs and how that's affected these groups. Studies have concluded that previous legislation efforts in gun control measures have already played a significant role in this. In the name of preventing violence, hundreds of thousands of Americans poor and minorities are already being subjected to probable cause-free searches every year. The Supreme Court has ruled in favor of diminishing Fourth Amendment protections for the sake of attempting to limit potentially illegal drug and firearms possession. Which is totally fucked because then that's just that's used by racist fucking officers as a reason to profile and target Mm -hmm. minorities. Mm -hmm. Policing guns is like policing drugs and invasiveness will be the outcome. There are huge amounts of both guns and drugs in America. With such an excessive number of firearms to monitor and remove, or even just to verify that they're legal, is a tremendous operation. One much larger than our police can manage, in fact. So decisions will have to be made about how to best prioritize time and effort, and will take an inevitable turn from actual crime into preventative, or worse, perceived crimes, where attempting to anticipate becomes standard operating procedure, whether guessed correctly or not. Um. So what we're left with is discretion. 
Selective enforcement. Uh, since enforcement will be invasive, it will be left to those carrying out the orders to determine who they think may pose the greatest threat. Prejudices and all. Good officers will do this job well, and bad ones won't. Numerous studies confirm that uh, the fact that personal biases are heavily leaned upon when it comes to individualized success assessment regarding who is dangerous and worthy of punishment and who isn't. Uh, former U.S. Attorney Michelle Alexander sums up the prejudice nicely when recounting a case, quote, I had an assistant attorney who wanted to drop the gun charge against the defendant in a case uh, where there was no extenuating circumstances. I asked, why do you want to drop the gun offense? He said, he's a rural guy and grew up on a farm. The gun he had was a rifle. He's a good old boy. A good old boys have rifles. It's not like he was a gun-toting drug dealer. But of course, he was a gun-toting drug dealer. <laughs> it's exactly what he was. <laughs> While guns are adjacent to the root of the problem, they are deadly. the deadly tool of choice with which people uh, use to cause the most damage, having been motivated by their own shortcomings. Gun control is a monstrous task, and the problems of racism, tribalism, violent culture, and imbalance of power are looming even larger. So, I think it's reasonable to ban outright AR-15s and similar weaponry first, and immediately. But I think the next major sweeping change should be in the prison system and how we prosecute certain crimes. Then we can begin to roll back other types of firearms and dangerous weapons. Unless we do it in that order, or so I argue, we'll be paving the way for millions more black boys and girls growing up without their fathers. So you're saying that, so before your position was that we should just take all the guns away, all of them. Mm -hmm. You, you fucked up. You can't have your toys anymore. Yeah. We're going to take them all away. And now it's that we should just take away like. Immediately take away AR-15s and M, uh, M what are they? What, I don't even know what the AK-47s, all that yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Anything that's being used mostly in mass shootings, you know, whatever, leaving, leaving the stuff that's not like, you're, you're not probably going to find a lot of guys in the hood with AR-15s and AK-47s and that kind of stuff too. That's going to be mostly pistols and stuff, mm. which you can still use to cause a lot of damage, but nothing like AR-15s. Mm. So. A high powered, high capacity rifle. Right. And so. What I'm saying is if we immediately got rid of everything, then we're going to be leaving it up to, because there isn't enough infrastructure and funding and uh, uh, manpower to enforce this equally and properly, the officers are going to be using their discretion. We already know how that turns out. <laughs> hmm. And so it's going to be disproportionately affecting poor and minority group uh, neighborhoods ag again, which are already being targeted by the war on drugs. I think this would be just be adding on top another war. It'll be a war on firearms, just like it's a war on drugs. So I think get rid of the AR-15s, all that bullshit right up top. Hmm. Then we need sweeping mass changes to the prison system and, and the way we prosecute crimes. Then we can start to roll back the smaller firearms, handguns, and that kind of thing, eventually still get to the same. So my goal is still the same. It's just the way to get to it, I think, is is got to be done differently because of the the uh, socioeconomic climate. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think we can work on all of those things at the same time. I mean, the, the war on drugs is a failed fucking enterprise. Yeah. We should get rid of privatized prisons. Mm -hmm. Those should all be run by the state. We should have... Uh, much more three, should, three strikes rule. Get rid of that. Oh yeah, fuck that. 
yeah the the three strikes laws that if you if you have you know a quarter ounce of weed on you and are caught three times you get to spend life in fucking prison that's ridiculous that helps nobody other than the people who are running the prisons and the judges who get kickbacks from the people who run the prisons when they sentence more people to longer prison sentences mm-hmm. um yeah we well and then we need to we need to change the way that we're punishing people anyway right yeah we've we've talked about it on the show a few different times that our current judicial system is punitive rather than rehabilitative mm-hmm. and that needs to change yep. and yeah i i don't know i just i don't see why people think that their dangerous toys are more important than the lives that are affected by those dangerous toys yeah you know well it's my second amendment right Okay, but that wasn't really how the Second Amendment was written or even interpreted until pretty fucking recently. Yeah, so actually, maybe it's not. Actually, it's not your Second Amendment right. You you know, right now, we have the most wide open possible interpretation of it. Everyone gets a gun, no matter what, no background, no nothing, doesn't matter. Mental health, history of violence, doesn't matter. You, anyone could get a gun. No qualifications, no IQ test. It's just pure wide open. Right. So that's that's the most extreme interpretation of the Second Amendment to mm-hmm. one side. Mm-hmm. Right. And so any any attempt to even rein that in one step, they freak the fuck out because mm-hmm. they, they've got everything right now. You know, and I'm talking about all the way to the other side. No, you don't. You don't get that. Only the military. That's mm-hmm. that's how I'm going to interpret well-regulated militia, the National Guard and the military. Mm-hmm. You know, and citizens and police don't get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that's all the way to the other end. If we could find something in the middle, you know, that'd be okay with me. Not okay with them, though. They're not going to be okay with that. They they will not compromise even one step. Well, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of even gun owners that would agree on some common sense gun regulations, like closing loopholes of buying guns online or private party sales or at gun expos and gun shows and shit like that, where you still have to go through a background check regardless of where you're purchasing the gun, mm-hmm. that we should be able to create a national database of right of guns and gun ownership and gun sales um that we should well that we should be able to fucking put those in a computer in the first place because you can't yeah. even do that right yeah. now yeah um that that's we should what be I'm able talking to, about yeah that we should be able to put it into a computer make it a national registry that you should have to go through annual training certification get get uh licensing and insurance mm-hmm. for your weapons why why do we not sell guns that only the person who purchased the gun can actually use. I mean, you have to use your fucking fingerprint or irises or facial recognition or facial recognition <laughs> for for your fucking cell phone, but you don't have to do that for the most dangerous fucking toy in your house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you have to do is pick it up and pull the fucking trigger. There, We could use biometric uh, ways of, of locking that stuff down. I know that they make safes that are that are bio safes where you could use your fingerprints or whatever, but why not have that on the weapon itself? We do that for a ton of other things that you can't fucking point and click a button and kill somebody with. Dude, you have to you have to you have to click like certain different things that you agree with to look at graphic content or whatever on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, some videos on Facebook won't even show up if they're too violent or whatever. Like yeah. even they put in safety measures for that. Yeah. 
for stuff that's not even going that doesn't have the potential to kill you it's, right then. Yeah, just just looking at someone else who was killed by that thing. Yeah. Is is censored. But yeah. the thing that killed the person is not. Yeah, they protect you they protect you from seeing what it can do. Yeah, from from seeing what the results of what can happen uh-huh. for these things that do not protect you and 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 you have very little protection from. Yeah. Other than not being able to see the consequences of their use. Right. As easily as being able to use the fucking thing itself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think we have to necessarily go in phased steps, but we do well, need- ideally, no. Yeah. Ideally. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm just, I'm moving to to a slightly more nuanced position than just, no, take them away. Take them <laughs> away now. <laughs> Fuck all of you. Give me your guns and stop fucking bitching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it still is that, but, uh, I just, I started to realize how that would super fuck the minority populations. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's really frustrating to even argue the issue of, of guns with somebody who's a tonal gun nut. Oh yeah. Because they, they always fall back on the same ridiculous arguments for keeping their guns. It's, well, it's my second amendment, right? Well, it wasn't always interpreted that way. And the way it's interpreted currently is a is a pretty recent development mm-hmm. when it was first written it wasn't ever intended or or was never even dreamed of that we would have yeah these mobile weapons of mass destruction yeah. at everybody's disposal and you could just walk into somewhere and buy it yeah i think i think you know i think it would be not uh too unreasonable to assume that when the founders wrote that they were probably thinking that you know people once they were adults and had their own guns would be somewhat reasonable and fairly, uh, you know, desirous for peace and, uh, you know, rather responsible and adults and well, had, they, had some intelligence. Well, and they didn't envision that everybody would have access to it either. It would, yeah. it would be a well-regulated militia. Right. The necessary to keeping part. the peace. Yeah. How do they interpret that? They just ignore it. Yeah. They just completely ignore it. You can't have regulation. It's my second amendment might. Right. You can't have regulation. It says regulated right in the second amendment. Well regulated. Yeah. Even. Very yeah. well regulated. Yeah. Yeah. So, and militia. I mean, I know they all fucking think they are, but they're not. <laughs> well, what's going to protect me from a tyrannical government? Yeah. 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 If if you really think <laughs> that you're, that you're uh, SKS or you're- AK-47 is going to stop a military drone or a tank or even a single uh, uh, Blackhawk or yeah. Apache. Somebody, somebody highly with, with, with specialized training in combat that you're going to stop them. Sure, maybe if you get lucky or you and, you and your friends could get together and maybe stop one or two of them. You're not going to stop. The might of the United States military or police forces. Or yeah, exactly. Like that. Stop, you can't even stop SWAT with with one of those. Yeah, let alone Marines. Yeah, yeah, so dumb. This is Phil Ferguson of the cleverly titled "The Phil Ferguson Show," and thank God you're listening to the Godless Revolution. The next rant will start right after this. So is this a time to say we don't need any further inquiry? All we need is faith in the boss. I would say not. It's just as when I am asked, um, well, rather when the question is put, 
uh, is there free will? The believer will say yes, uh, because we've been given it. <laughs> of course it's free will. The big guy says so. <laughs> Who am I to disagree? Well, that seems to me to be absolutely self-canceling nonsense. If I say, my answer when I'm asked is, is there free will? I say, yeah, I think there's free will. We have free will. We have no choice. Um, at least I... <laughs> At least I know I'm being ironic. The people, the people who say free will, you've got to have it. Um, it's a rule you've got to have free will. It says don't even know they're being literal. This is the difference between not just the ironic and the literal mind, but between the inquiring and the philosophical, the scientific mind, and the religious one. And that's why they are not just non-overlapping, or rather overlapping, but in a hostile manner, but they're irreconcilable in my judgment. You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. Okay, the other big hot button issue for this evening that will take up some time, I think, is uh, we're going to revisit the topic of free will. And I hear all the yawns and groans and eye rolling in the uh, audiences as I announce that, but. I don't know. I I fucking love talking about it. Yeah, I don't really care if they're doing that. But, I, <laughs> but it, yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> if the shoe fits. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, so you we, you've decided maybe whether you're I, you know uh, what I, we we have done this before, but the last time we did it, I had not really ever even looked into it. Oh yeah. Not really. I mean, I've heard, I heard little bits of people, but I, I immediately realized I just have no input at all and then just started asking questions instead of pretending I had a position on it. You know, it's weird because and I remember it was like a year ago, maybe even longer, and it was at the end of a show and we do the thing where we end the show and we go upstairs, we chit chat a little bit and we go out and we chit chat a little bit more outside on the, on, on the front. Mm-hmm walk or whatever to the house and you asked me what what my position was if i if i was a hard determinist or whatever and i think at the time i said what i'm not even sure what that is and you explained just real quick like well do you believe in free will or determinism or whatever really yeah and you said weird and you said pretty sure i'm a hard determinist and i was like Okay. Well, yeah, I do. Probably, I would that, say that actually. Too. Yeah. Okay. So I had looked into it a little bit. So well, and so after you mentioned that is when I started looking into a little bit, looking into it a little bit more, and listening to the arguments on either side, studying the whole topic a bit more, and that's when I came to my position of being a determinist. I don't know that I'm a hard determinist. Those are just some semantic. Well, if you're a soft determinist, then you're a compatibilist. I don't know. I maybe. Yeah, I guess. I mean, or I'm a hard, or I'm okay. a hard compatibilist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, either way, that was probably one of the more heavily crit- criticized shows we've had. Yeah, and you know, I, I have done a lot of preparing for this one. And I have no idea if it's even going to go any better because this topic fucking sucks. (laughs) I love talking about it. Yeah. It's interesting, but nobody has a fucking clue. 
Yeah. I mean, philosophers, like, nobody, you get a few scientists that'll just say, yeah, it's just hard determinism. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, they have to say that, you know, because they're determined to. But, <laughs> <laughs> so they have no choice in the matter. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Where do you want to start? Well, what? So you- I, I have a bunch of disjointed notes that I've never, that I, that I've collected over the past few weeks, but they're not in any kind of order. They're just sort of thoughts that I've had about what I think might be going on or questions or whatever. So, yeah. Well, so a couple of weeks ago, you told me, I think just between segments, that we should talk about free will again sometime because you had decided your position on it. Yeah. Or you had settled, settled on a position. Yeah. So, what is your settled position? Well, I mean, I think. so maybe not quite so settled (laughs) well here's the reason why this topic sucks is because you can't get a clear definition really yeah you know i mean so well let me let me just start by okay let me just let's just start by saying on the on the one end there's libertarian free will libertarian not connected to the political party in any way just means completely and totally free to you know, the big, the big thing that people use that you could have done otherwise, right? Mm. Well, yeah, maybe we should start with the definition of terms first. There, yeah, there who, really isn't, though. For, well, for those who are unfamiliar with even the basis of, even the basis mm-hmm. of any of the arguments, right? right? But that, that's one. So if you rewind the universe and every other thing, you know, all the other factors being exactly the same, you could have picked chocolate milk instead of ice water mm. in that moment. So- I'm not even going to try to explain compatibilism because I don't fucking know. And nobody, <laughs> nobody who's a compatibilist knows either. So, but determinism would be that if you rewound the universe to that exact moment, all of the biology and experiences and everything leading up to that point that, that made that to where you chose milk would all be the same. Well, and they would say that you didn't even really choose it. Yeah, it goes a little beyond, yeah. but that but that's the reason why it was. So if you rewind the universe, everything's the same. You're gonna you're gonna have the milk and not the ice water every single time. Yeah, that if you could that if you could rebuild all of your life experience and biology up to that certain point, one hundred times out of a hundred times, or a million out of a million, you would still make that same choice because you're not even really making a choice. It's everything in your life experience. And your and including your bio, biology up to that point determines that you will choose that thing. It's well, not, but it's not really even a choice, though. It's, because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and this and, is a and it's a limitation of language, it is, right? Yeah, it so, is. So you're not I, – I don't believe that you're actually choosing something. It's that – you are selecting. I mean, is that a better word? I don't even know that selecting is a better word, but it's it's a result, really. Yeah. So the result is that you will do. Yeah, you'll one have, you'll thing have or milk another. and not ice water. That yeah, you know, whatever chocolate milk, whatever I said. Yeah, yeah, that's the result. And if you rewind the universe, it's going to happen like that every time, right? Because all of the conditions are exactly the same, right? So the only way to get outside of that is to change a condition. Mm-hmm. Can't do that, right? And so, you know, and Dan Dennett, who is a compatibilist, even talks about finding some something in there, you know, where he uses examples like driving down the road at 50 miles an hour. And then someone will say, well, can this car go 70 miles or 60 miles an hour? And he said, sure. And they'll say right now. 
No, not now. I'll have to push on the accelerator. I have to. Okay. Those aren't the same conditions. You've just right. changed stuff. So yeah. also you're not talking about rewinding and doing it again. You're talking about moving into the future. So now stuff has changed. So that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you're, you're not, ta- I don't know. So compatibilism <laughs> I don't, and maybe you guys get it better than me and you could let me know, but, um, I can't seem to, to find any reason to, to even acknowledge it as a, as a viable option. Compatibilism. Yeah. 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 It's libertarian free will all the way. No, <laughs> uh, uh, this actually, this, this is how I feel about libertarian free will. It's to have the ability to act outside or in opposition to nature and nurture. So to be able to overcome biology and condition and conditioning so as not to be influenced by them. Um, and that's clearly an incorrect conclusion because, <laughs> um, well, and, and to say that whatever thing you do would be that something that, that you prefer to do, right? That you, that if you have, if you have 10 different drinks in front of you, that whatever you pick is the thing that you would prefer to have at that moment. And that if you were to rewind all of the universe and, and your biology, all of your influences up to that point and repeat that same thing over and over and over again, that you could then choose any one of those 10 drinks by sheer choice. And it would be that that's your preference mm-hmm. when there's no way that that could be the case. Well, right. I mean, sure, sure. You could select a different item, but that wouldn't necessarily be the one that you would prefer at that given point in time. Does that make sense? No, I don't get the distinction. I mean, so let's, let's say you're, let's say you pick the third glass the first time and rewind it. And then you pick the sixth glass. Is that what you're saying? But you would prefer the sixth glass? The, yeah. Well, if, so if you had an array of 10 drinks in front of you and they say, pick which one you would prefer right now, the, the one that you want most right now. Oh, just right doing now. it one time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that you want most right now, mm. you would pick that thing. And then if later, you know, if you, if you rewound everything and go back to that point that you would be able to change your preference to be another thing. Oh yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought we already talked. Yeah. We already, I mean, because when, when an urge, so urges arise, preferences, urges, likes, dislikes, those things come come to our consciousness at some point um and we can't account for that right we we have we have this sort of this sense of being present for uh at least when certain urges come to our consciousness we have we have this sense that we're aware of that or that we're authoring that in some way yeah well and we have some some explanatory powers behind some of it right like like you can say oh well you know when the weather's like this like so for me, I, you could say, well, when it's cold outside, you know, I like to, I like to bundle up and I'll have a, a nice hot cup of cider, you know, and it reminds me of when I was young and I would have this same kind of thing in it. You know, it, it gives me this warm, fuzzy feeling and brings back all these childhood memories, that kind of stuff that, that I'm choosing to do that. Right. And you have the story behind it and all these reasons. Right. Yeah. So we have some explanatory, yeah, some, some explanatory reasoning behind having a preference there, but you're still, but you're still, 
you're not really then choosing that thing with libertarian free will, right? You, you have all of this background information, biology, you like that flavor. It's something you've experienced before. It's that's more what I mean. I'm talking more like base urges, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, being straight or being gay or, you know, uh, liking blue instead of brown or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We, we don't pick that. We don't pick those things. That that that's just something that is a part of our biology. And what I'm saying though yeah. is when those urges arise, right? At at some point we have we have sort of a sense that that we're a part of this system, you know, that at, at some point you go, "Oh, actually I know everybody else is into girls right now in junior high or high school or whatever, but I can tell that I prefer that guy." And not that girl that everyone else likes. And I don't, you know, you, you have a feeling of like being present for those moments, but, but there's no, there's no sense in which you are authoring that urge, you know, and, and. Well, yeah, you don't get to pick your likes and that's dislikes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. And libertarian free will would say you do. Hmm. It has nothing to do with any of that other stuff. You just. You just pick it. It's just whatever. Just pick the one you want. You know, right. that's not. And Sam Harris would even say that there's not even the illusion of free will, that the illusion itself isn't even there, which I don't, which to me, it seems like a little bit going a little far, but uh, because to me, there seems to be a robust sense that I'm part of this decision-making process. Mm -hmm. um, but does, does he, does he say that even he says, if you examine it, if you if you really take the time to examine what's going on uh, during those moments of decision, that you you'll realize that not even the the, the illusion really isn't even there. You're just you're just sort of along for the ride. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously he goes into well, it but more. then but I mean, then you're there's still the illusion there, right? Like you you still have some sense that you're making a choice. No, because you're because you're strapped in a cart on the on the uh, fucking rail roller coaster. <laughs> you're you're present. You're present for the ride. Yeah, but you're not deciding where that track goes at all. Well, but I mean, so and it doesn't feel like it either. So is he saying that that on that on reflecting on something that the there that the illusion disappears, or just that at no at no time does it even make sense that you would say that there's even an illusion. Yeah, he's he's saying that there isn't really even a subjective ex experience of free, of ex of having free will. I don't know how you could say that. You have to you have to look up his stuff. Yeah. He he doesn't just blurt it out and then move on. Well, so, yeah, I but mean, I mean I've, I don't I yeah. don't know I don't know well enough how he grounds that, but it's because it's not Well, and I've watched and listened to tons of his arguments and and talks about free will on that and I, I maybe I've just missed that one in all of them. Or in in the one that he may have mentioned it in, mm. uh, I don't rec I don't recall him ever saying that. I, even the even the idea, even it, even the idea that it's an illusion is false. It might be where he talks to the Very Bad Wizards podcast. Oh yeah, about free will. Maybe that's the one. Hmm. But he does say that. I haven't listened to that episode. I know hmm. you you recommended the show to me, and I've been listening to it, but I haven't I haven't listened to that episode. I'll have to. I'll have to go and find that one. It's called Tumors All the Way Down. Tumors All the Way Down. So I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. It's not merely that that free will is an illusion, 
the illusion of free will is an illusion, which is to say that if you pay close enough attention to it, the illusion is not even there. It's not that there's an illusion that's there that we just we, – we can't understand – you know, how free will is true, but we have this robust experience of it. And, you know, we just have to deal with that, that fact. No, if you actually pay very close attention, the illusion isn't even there in the way you thought it was. And that's true of the sense of authorship of, of one's mental life. You know, I, I, I again, I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to you now, if I pay attention, it is absolutely clear to me that I do not know how I get to the end of this sentence successfully. And, and in moments when I fail to, when, in moments when I make some grammatical error or I lose my way and I, you know, I, I, I'm dealing with my own inability to speak, that is also a mystery. So the successes are a mystery. The failures are a mystery. My inclination to pay attention in one moment or not in another moment is a mystery. All of this is just happening. And yes, it becomes clear that thoughts simply arise and that I don't know what my next thought will be any more than you know what it will be uh, or, or any more than I know what your next thought will be. I mean, authorship is just what it's like to be the first person to notice the thing that just sprung into view. That even is, is slightly strange because, you know, we're actually hearing what I think at the same time. Uh, I mean, occasionally I'll, I'll know what I'm going to say before I say it, but for the most part, I'm just thinking out loud. It's a mysterious process. But anyway, um, so, the, so one thing I find interesting about urges arising out of seemingly nowhere, uh, right, that, 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 and I would be interesting if anyone's listening to this that, that really has a sense that they choose their urges and their base desires. Write in and let us know because I, to me, that's very intuitive. We don't pick any of that. Mm -hmm. That that just happens somewhere. So so immediately dispensing with libertarian free will, but also providing sort of a fertile ground for seeding determinism because mm -hmm. because that seems to me like intuitive, an intuitive place to start for. Okay, well, yeah, clearly those things are taking place on their own inside. So. Uh, inside my brain. So, so if I'm not choosing those, why would I think that any of my other choices have anything to do with me? Which brings you, which brings me to the next interesting thing, which is what the fuck does me mean? <laughs> right. So my brain's doing like, so let's say I get an urge to punch a Nazi mm. and that's a base, base urge that just come, comes out of nowhere. Fucking, I would love to punch a Nazi. Right. And rather than build an argument backward from that position and then try to go guest spot on a podcast to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was cruel. <laughs> Rather than that, I decide that it's probably just better to not punch uh, Nazis for speaking freely or whatever. Right. Mm. Uh, so, so in that sense, I've overcome Overcome. <laughs> so, so there's, so here's a good example. I cannot account for why I just finished the sentence like that. I have no idea why that word popped up like that, huh. but you anyway. didn't choose it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you chose it. I chose it. Uh, God, there's something about sitting in Ryan's chair. Uh, um, so, it, so some base urge comes up and I, and I, uh, Choose not to indulge that, for lack of a better word, right? So now, now I'm overcoming an urge that I hadn't, that I didn't have any choice in that came up. Mm -hmm. 
so who's doing the veto of that urge? Right. So it would seem like, oh, that's where my choice is. Well, and I think that's the illusion, right? That's the illusion that you have that choice. Right. And that's where you start to get into this real meta stuff of like, now you have to define yourself because um, my brain sends up this urge and I'm not the one that vetoes that. Right. So what's happening? My brain is sending up an urge and then fighting itself to, to suppress that urge. And I'm watching this all happening, feeling like I'm part of the mix. And then whatever gets spit out of the, at the end is what happens. That's well, fucking bizarre. Well, yeah. Well, and, and I think Harris would say, you're not the author of your own thoughts. I'm not saying I am. Well, but no, but I'm saying that's, I, I know you're not. And I'm not saying that you are saying that you are. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying that Harris would point to that and say, you're not the author of your own thoughts even. So you can't say that you have free will in order to make a choice for something because your brain is constantly just firing shit at you, right? Like you don't know mm. what you're going to think from one moment to the next because you're not the author of those thoughts. It's not, you're, you're not consciously picking and choosing all the time exactly what you're going to be thinking about. Like I, you know, shit will just randomly pop into your head that, right. you know, we're, we're sitting down here talking right now. And in the back of my mind, I have eight different things going on at the same time, right? Sorry. Sorry. Just, <laughs> just as you were, it's, it's just fucking so amazing that as you were saying that, a thought popped into my head has nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> I was just picturing Taylor sitting at home watching this or listening to this episode going, <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> anyway. Oh, we love you, Taylor. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, thoughts. They just, they just spring from this well of consciousness. You don't, you don't, you don't pick and choose what's going to just pop into your head at any given time. Right. Yeah. Okay. Free will solved. No, <laughs> just well, so, so saying that you, that you at any given moment. And so I think we can immediately do away with the whole idea of libertarian free will, right? Like, yeah. So the, the way I've. I'll just, I'll just put it to rest because what the, the, here's the way I like, so Sam Harris does this thing with a lot of people, but he does it with Joe Rogan where he says, think of a city, any city at all. Right. So if, if, if there's any such thing as free will, surely it's in this kind of an example where you, you just have complete control to pick from any city on earth, whatever mm. it is. Mm. And then, you know, they ever come up with whatever they want, you know, and you know, Los Angeles or whatever. And, and so then the question would be. Well, you know, you can't account for why you didn't pick New York, right? Or Paris or, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. y you're aware of New York and Paris, you know, they're, they're cities you know of. Why didn't you pick those? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I've been to, you know, whatever. You can come up with all these reasons for why you picked whatever. And, mm -hmm. and so, but, but there's, there's a clear lack of freedom. There's some, sometimes cities that you know of that you're aware of don't come to your mind at all for some whatever reason. That may even be your favorite city, but in that moment. Yeah. It doesn't even come to your mind. Right. And I, in, in that analogy, I view libertarian free will as the ability to pick from every or any city on earth, whether you're aware of it or not. Oh, then, well, then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, there's no fucking way. I know, but that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's no fucking way libertarian free will is true. I mean, that's, yeah. because that's what it would have to be like if you were overcoming all of that biology, nurture and nature. Right. It would be like that, hmm. be, the ability to pick from all the cities that you're not even aware of. Okay. So that's right out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so we can do away with the notion of libertarian free will. What about the more nuanced? Okay, well, I don't have to, you know, it doesn't have, we don't have to include things that I am not even aware of in the list of possibilities that I could put, that I could potentially choose from. Because clearly I would have to be aware of them to even put them on my, on the whiteboard in my brain of potentialities, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So if we were to be able to whiteboard out all of the potential choices that I may have, what, what makes me choose any one of the things on the whiteboard? When discussing, when, when picking a city, what would make me choose a particular city? Are you asking me? Yeah. Uh, well, I, it, it's impossible to know exactly why, why you would come up with whatever you do, but whatever it is, whatever the reason is, there's a reason and it's biological. Strictly biological? Well, or, or, ba- or based on some experience. Okay. But, but ultimately, yes, biological, because, because w- the experience part of it is simply adding new neurons that connect to, you know, to that connect to the system that fire in a different way. They say like, oh, okay, you know, this, this, if you're a dog, this, you know, this person kicks me every time I see him. So I'm going to start avoiding him from now on. Uh, that's, that's, that's just rewiring parts of the brain to, you know, figure out how to better survive or, uh, you know, avoid harm, that kind of thing. So ultimately, yeah, biology. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too, that we know that we can prime people for different things. Right. So let's say we're having a discussion and I know that ultimately we're going to pick a list, you know, we're, we're going to name a city and I want to be able to influence or cut down the list of possibilities that you would name as a city. And so in the course of our dialogue back and forth, I start mentioning things like Broadway Mm -hmm. or big parades or holidays or tall buildings or things like that. And in your mind, you're making all of these ties to the things that I say. And then I say, okay, well, list a, you know, pick from a list of, pick from, pick from a list of cities, you know, name, name a city that you can think of. And right away, I would know from the things that we've been talking about in the discussion, you're going to probably pick a large metropolitan area. Mm. You're going to pick somewhere, um, densely populated, you know, because of all of the things that I've been doing to influence what you may come to as a potential list of, um, or, or come to as a list of potential places to pick. Mm -hmm. I've been influencing that throughout the course of our dialogue. And so I know you're not going to pick, you know, fucking bumfuck Alabama. Right. You're going to pick somewhere that has that has some relevance, some tie to the things that we've been discussing. Oh, the, although the Broadway show in Bumfuck's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right? But so we can subtly influence the way people think about things. Or not so subtly in that yeah, case. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we, know, we know because of the Russian propaganda with this recent election, how, mm-hmm. how effective uh, that is, whether, mm-hmm. it's, whether it's subtle or, or not. But um, yeah, I mean, and I don't know, I don't know if that just has... So, so, you know, it may just, it may just be that whatever file folders our brain keeps of information, uh, those primers bring that file folder containing like, you know, New York was the city that 
right. that I thought of when you were doing the priming. Yeah, that's what that's what I was priming you for. Right, of course. Yeah. And so maybe the New York folder comes further up to the front, you know, and so it's ready to access when uh, a quote unquote decision needs to be made about picking a city or whatever. Um, but, but I mean, because we know that most of what's going on in our brain is not happening consciously anyway, right? Because, you know, how many, how many people can hold two thoughts at once or whatever? A few people, maybe not me. Right. But what yeah, about multitasking what, really isn't a what, thing. What about 10? What about working on 10 problems simultaneously? Like no fucking way. Yeah. But does that mean that we only know one or two things at a time? No, we, we know all of the stuff that we know mm -hmm. all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's going on deep down in somewhere that's not right at the forefront of our mind. So you, you can't recall a word for some reason, uh, you know, or you make a word up for some reason. Uh, and that's, you can't account for that. But like the word that you're looking for will come to you like a day later or an hour later or whatever it is. It's in there. You still know it. You just can't bring it up when you want to. So where's the freedom in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have the freedom there. <laughs> or ever. It just so happens that most of the time it's functioning in a way that allows us to, uh, you know, interact and get along uh, in the world for the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people not so much. <laughs> well, I, I mean, <laughs> what I mean is like, so take take the case of like, like, uh, like mental disorders, for example, like we immediately dismiss the idea of free will with that, with in relation to those cases, right? For sure. The, for, yeah. the, for the most part. Yeah. We're willing, we're willing, not just willing, but we're eager to say that they don't have the choice to do that. Right. They, well, and it depends, it depends on which disorders. Sure. Some, with psychopathy, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're, we we want to burn them anyway. Yeah. Um, but they're just as much. Yeah. Fuck those guys. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but they're just. They're just victims like the rest of anybody else. Yeah, they're victims of their own of biology. Their own biology. Right. And, you know, if they're committing crimes like that, probably a lot of nurture problems too, mm -hmm. um, which ties back into their way that their brains form and so on. Mm -hmm. But um, autism, um, what are some of the other ones I was thinking of were uh, Down syndrome, some of these, some of those, you know, spectrum disorders and different, different functioning, you know, different capabilities and functional functionalities. We're, we're, we're very quick to just say, oh, well, you know, that's just how he is or she is, or that's just the way it is. doesn't matter. Well, they're or, inappropriate or whatever it is. And or I mean, just, eh. if, if you suffer some kind of uh, brain damage or if you're under the influence of an intoxicant, mm -hmm. right, where we're, we very easily dismiss free will in those instances because they were under the influence of something. Well, it just altered their biology. It didn't change who they are as a person. Right. It just changed who they were in that instance. Right. Right. Yeah. Like nobody, well, and you know, even with depression actually, because you do get a lot of, you know, well, just, you know, just, uh, just suck it up. Just be happy. Yeah. yeah. Just, just right. be happy. Why can't you just smile? Right. Or yeah. think of, think of something happy. Exactly. That'll fix you. Right. And that's, that's. Sing a song, clap your hands. That's equivalent to telling an autistic person to, uh, start making appropriate eye contact and go hug somebody. Yeah. You know, or, you know, telling a, a psychopath to have appropriate physical relationships and get, have some empathy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are fucking ridiculous requests. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's something else. <laughs> the, way, the way that we <laughs> treat people with depression. Um, yeah. So in those cases, it's clear. 
at least to most and and with kids too you know um god i had a thought about that like I, you know, and I, I need to go back and revisit that thing about Sam Harris saying that the illusion is an illusion because it just seems so not to be the case. I mean, the illusion seems to be very robust. Well, and if, I mean, it, it seems, it seems a self-defeating argument because if you want to say that the illusion doesn't exist, then why would we have any idea that there is an illusion of it even? That it just doesn't, it doesn't make right. any sense to what me What are we talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um... I mean, you can say that something is an illusion, but to say that the illusion doesn't even exist seems very counterintuitive. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if maybe he's just spent so much time thinking about it that for him it's intuitive that, of course, we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's ob- he sees it everywhere. It's obvious that we don't have free will. Yeah, and I like I said, but, I, I don't recall him saying that. Maybe I've just missed it somewhere. Maybe I misheard it. Yeah. You know, maybe. Um but I mean, like, like if you're if you're walking down the street with a a child, you know, six under five, one arm, and you're running through crowds, dodging police. This is my kid now. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Then, uh, I've got him. Let's yeah. go. Then it. Then yeah. So exactly in certain areas like that, it's very easy to see how uh, your victims after being kidnapped have no free will mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> but like, if you're just walking along with a kid, you know, and are entrusted with, uh, and are dealing with appropriately <laughs> and like, and you, you just happen to be a petty pedantic, uh, social norms, asshole, petty pedantic pedophile. What? <laughs> <laughs> and like the, I thought you were going for an alliterative thing. Uh, there. No. No, uh, strangely, that's not at the forefront of my mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I'm just wired differently. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we'll cover the Roy Moore story. <laughs> Roy Moore stuff later, yeah. yeah. Roy Moore story. It's like Toy Boat. Toy Boat? Yeah. Toy Boat? What is that? I, I oh, have, you know, if you I'm say it three times fast. Toy Boat, Toy Boat, Toy Boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, yeah. Okay. I got you. Uh so you're walking with a kid and they, the kid has uneven socks or whatever, right? And if you're an asshole- That's then, the thing these days, yeah. Then you can be like, hey, m- pull up your sock, right? And for the most part, they'll do it. And it sure seems like, okay, well, they weren't even aware of that before. And once I, you know, they don't care about that particular social norm. What the fuck does that matter? But once I made them aware of it, they chose to do it. It seems like there's the will right there. There's the freedom. Because hmm. some kids won't. Some kids won't care about that. And so, obviously, there's the freedom. One will do it and the other one won't or whatever. But that's where I think the illusion is powerful, when it's everyday interactions like that, where it seems so obvious that, oh, well, of course, he's going to, he, she's going to decide to either do it or not do it. And some kids will and some kids won't. There you go. You're done. But it doesn't show any of the biology for, like, how toddlers are deeply wired to obey adults and and about everything doesn't even matter if it makes sense because nothing makes sense to them it's just everything that the adult says they're going to do it you know for the most part that's a part they're, of they're they're here to protect me and yeah right you just do what they say it doesn't matter there's not yeah. really a thought in there and that part of the biology is working that we can't see you know and there are kids who are rather antisocial that won't do it that won't care that part of their biology isn't there they don't feel any of that fear that or or Whatever it is that goes into social listening. pressure, yeah, social or whatever, pressure, yeah. whatever, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's where I think the intuitive 
or, or at least when we're building our mental model of the world, that part of free will seems that, that elusive, if that's an illusion, that seems like the most, some of the more mm, robust parts, I guess. Some of the more easily explained or easily pointed to right. well, instances I mean, yeah, I mean, saying, you, well, you don't even think about it. You just see what's happening and you're like, yeah. oh, he's going to choose. You know, and the words we use. Okay, he chose to do what I said. All right, good. Yeah. Or he yeah, just, well, he and, decided to obey me or whatever, you know. Yeah, well, and, and of course, none of that takes into account all of the influences that that child may have had up until that point, right? That, you know, maybe maybe nobody has ever pointed this out to this person ever before. And maybe another kid in the same circumstance has been told to pull up their socks 50,000 times by other people, right? And it's just something that they forgot in that moment. And so they do it. Right. Some, somebody who's never had that information available to them before would have a completely different reaction. Hi, I'm Lucian Greaves, spokesperson and co-founder of the Satanic Temple. Check out my website, grayfaction.org, if you want to be disgusted and alarmed. You're listening to Godless Revolution. Please stand by. The Godless Revolution will continue in a moment. To talk about determinism as a fact is not to argue for fatalism. People often confuse any description of determinism with fatalism. So they think, well, if everything's, just, if everything's determined, why do anything? I'll just sit back and see what happens. So I'll just throw the oars out of the boat. Okay, th this is a sign of confusion because, first of all, it's extremely difficult to do. Just, just I recommend that you one day try it. Just stay in bed all day waiting for something to happen. You're going to get impatient. You're going to get restless. You're going to want to eat something. You're going to be moved by impulses. Uh, which you'll then have to choose to resist in order to sit and just wait and see what happens. So, it, so doing nothing is itself a choice that has its own consequences, and it, and it becomes very difficult to do. So you're just you can't you can't step out of the stream of of uh, being lived by your unconscious mental processes, which are showing up as conscious intentions, emotions, moods, desires, etc. But the, the fact that our choices depend upon prior causes doesn't mean that choice doesn't matter. Choice is part of this causal stream of, of the human mind and, and, and our world. So, I mean, so the proximate cause of my writing a book on free will was my deciding to write a book on free will. You, you can't write a book by accident, although some people seem to manage it, frankly. <laughs> so, so my choice... To write it was one of the primary reasons it came into being. So, so decisions and effort and willpower and discipline, all of these things matter. These are, these are causal states of the brain that have an effect upon our actions and the world. So, so the choices we make in life are as important as most people want to believe they are, but they are part of the, the stream of causality. And... So fatalism clearly doesn't make any sense. The idea that the future is going to be whatever it's going to be, independent of what you think and do, that clearly is, is untrue. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. So are you saying then that you're... So you're, you definitely don't believe in libertarian free will. You don't believe... Do you believe in the more nuanced illusion of free will? Are you, are you a compatibilist? Is that, is that compatibilism? 
well, I guess it depends on on who you're talking to and what their personal definition of it is. So, well, and that's the problem. I don't know what it means. I mean, if compatibilism means in some way that there is still, I see. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you could. How could you have some freedom? It seems like this, in this case, it's pretty absolute. You have it or you don't. I mean, you yeah. might ha- you might have will, but it isn't free. So the Wikipedia definition of compatibilism is the belief that free will and determinism are compatible ideas. See, I hate that. This is exactly what they fucking do. They use the word they're trying to define in the definition. <laughs> you fucking idiots. Did you go to school? And that it is possible to believe in both without being logically inconsistent. Compatibilists believe freedom can be present or absent in situations for reasons that have nothing to do with metaphysics. Okay, so it just comes and goes. Yeah, I don't... I mean, is that... I don't... So... so that sounds f- weird. Yeah. It, well, it is weird. I think that's a pretty shitty fucking definition of compatibilism. Oh, it's terrible. For, for me, the term compatibilism generally refers to those who... Well, we talked about a pre-show. It's, it's like answering the question of hard solipsism, right? That you don't know. There's no way for you to prove that you're not just a brain in a vat. Mm. There's no way for you to prove that you're not just part of the matrix. And so you have to deal with the reality that you find all around you, right? You have to deal with the world that you find yourself in. You can't just step outside of that and act like, oh, no, well, there is no spoon, and I'm just going to make the walls fucking melt, and I'll walk through them and shit like that. You have to deal with the reality and the physics of the world that you're in, right? And so, for me, compatibilism is the idea that I know that there's no free will, and I know or have a tendency toward believing in the idea of hard determinism, but I still know that there's an illusion of free will that most people carry around with them, and that's how they interact with the world around them. And so as a compatibilist, I would just say that ultimately it doesn't even matter if hard determinism is a thing or not, because that's not how people in the world act and react to the world around them. Okay, so I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. But most people in the world live with this illusion of a God and mm-hmm. that's how they interact with the world. And, and so the, the, whether or not atheism is true, doesn't even matter because <laughs> I'm just going to act like, fuck that shit, dude. That's, that's, I don't care what you, I don't care how you want to pretend to act. I care what the belief is. I, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like I, if that's what compatibilism, then it's bullshit. I would tend to agree. I mean that, but that's, that's my definition of compatibilism, yeah. right? I I know Dan Dennett is a compatibilist, but when I listen to the noises that Dan Dennett makes about free <laughs> will, <laughs> and you can tell I've been listening to Sam Harris about that. <laughs> right. But when I, when I hear Dan Dennett talk about free will, to me it's that he is afraid of the social implications that we would have to accept if we do away with the idea of free will. And holding people to account for the things that they do. You know, I, I think mm. for Dan Dennett and for a lot of compatibilists who want to be able to judge people for the actions they take, that saying that, well, we can't really hold people accountable for the actions they take because they didn't have really a free will to choose what they've done. 
it's part of nature and nurture and their biology and all of the influences that they've had in their lives. So it's not really up to that individual person to, uh, to have to accept accountability for their actions. I think they're terrified of the, of the social implications of, of having to admit to that. And that's fallacious. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely fallacious. Because, I mean, and well, and it betrays, it betrays their, what, what I think is their view of the rest of humanity as being too fucking stupid to deal with reality as it is. I mean, but that's the same thing as, you know, saying that, well, atheism is most likely true, but we're not going to spread the word because people go out and rape and kill people if they don't have a God. That's what a lot of Christians and, and other religious people think. Right? I, know, like I know they think that, but right. coming from an atheist, that would be the equivalent. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why- Let them keep and, their- and, and some atheists do say that. Yeah. But. Well, and maybe that's why I'm more of a determinist than a compatibilist or, or anybody well, who believes in free will. But it really is binary. It all hinges on would have done otherwise. So you either would have or you wouldn't. No, maybe, no, possibly, probably, depending. That's bullshit. You, you would have done otherwise or not. Right. Yeah, but let me, let me think about this for a second. I so, guess within the not, there could be options. Could there? What do you mean? No. No, there can't. That's binary. Yeah, so, like I said, I, I think they're afraid of the social implications, and they still, I, I think, and I don't, I don't mean to, it's going to sound ageist, and I don't mean it to be necessarily, but I think Dan Dennett is of a generation where he, he has lived his entire life, where if you do something bad, you're sent to jail, and you're put away, and you're locked up, and you're held away from society so that you can't do any more harm, right? There's, there's a view well, we of- we all have. We all have lived in that world. Well, sure, but I mean, he's, he's lived in that much longer than you and I have. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's how he recognizes the world around him. And okay. I think that, that you and I and, and people of a younger age, and like I said, I know that sounds ageist and I, I really, I don't know how else to express it without, without it sounding ageist. And I don't, I don't really mean it to be that way, but when you've looked and lived your entire life with wanting to hold people accountable and punish them for the things that they do versus recognizing that they may not have had a choice in what they did, that it is nature and nurture and all of their influences and their biology, that you still want to be able to punish them. There, something bad happened. I will fix it by punishing this person rather than saying something bad happened this person had all of these influences in their life that led them to do this thing, but they may not have necessarily had a choice. Let's examine, let's, let's try to examine what happened that resulted in this happening and try to rehabilitate this person rather than just punishing them for what they've done. But his views on justice or uh, retribution or what, you know, what, should how how criminals or bad behavior should be handled has nothing to do with what's true about free will right i mean if he's basing his entire i'm not saying he is but you know if 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 even a, a portion of his free will argument is based on that then it's fallacious i think it is yeah i i mean not not just that i think it 
not just that I think that if he thinks that it's fallacious, I think that he his argument think, yeah. is fallacious. I think that that yeah. is what he thinks, and I, th- I think it is a fallacious argument. Yeah. And I think it's that he thinks that just too many people are too stupid to understand the arguments that are laid out in front of them, and that he sees that as then a, a, a dichotomy of, okay, well, either we can continue with the illusion of free will and locking up people who who may be viewed as a detriment or a danger to society, or we're going to take away the illusion of free will to where everybody is just set on a set on a course throughout their life and unless they have the proper influence and and brain chemistry something's going to happen and then we can't hold them accountable and it's just going to be chaos i think he's i think he sets up this false dichotomy and thinks that okay well we can't do away with the illusion because then that would just fucking ruin society yeah there has to be a god or else people will act badly yeah i think that's 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 how i see his argument I think it's a, a fallacious, weak yeah, argument. Yeah, atheism can't be true because if it was, then people would be immoral. Yeah. People would start to be immoral. So that that that's the worst argument I've ever heard. And that's that that can't be his whole position. That's how that's yeah, from I mean, from I, all I, of the things that I from from all of the talks that I've heard him in, all of the discussions that I've heard him talking about free will. That's the conclusion that I get from the things that he has said. I've I've had his book about free will and everything recommended to me, and I haven't read it. And so I'm ignorant about perhaps some more nuanced positions that he has. But from everything I've heard him say, that's my takeaway from it. Hmm. I think I think it's really tough to, you know, I mean, people, humans love 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 like like maybe they're t- love 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 <laughs> <laughs> maybe their two favorite things are taking credit for shit they may or may not deserve and punishing and people blaming people other people for not being good enough yeah those are humans judging favorite people. fucking things yeah and free this determinism threatens to take both of those away you know somebody who does moderately better than his peers wants to talk about how much hard work it went it went into it not you know not the fact that it's a white he's a white male uh who you know went to college in the 80s and early 90s and happened to you know reap the benefits of you know hitting just before student loans got crazy and also the benefits of growing up as a middle class white male none of that he just worked harder he did the right things. He's smarter in school, got better grades, all the possible things he could do to give himself the maximum amount of credit and minimize all of the things that really played a part in it that he had nothing to do with. Humans love that. Yeah. Well, and then on and then conversely, it's well, you know, if you're not like me, it's something you've done. You you didn't go to the right school. You didn't try hard enough. You you haven't worked hard enough. I'm not going to give money to this guy in the corner because he's not even working. He's not he's not doing anything to better his situation. He's just going to go spend it irresponsibly. And he you know all that bullshit is all gone with determinism. And I think people just will not let that go easily, if at all. Yeah. Well, and I think all of the things you mentioned point to not just a sense of you know the the society would slip into chaos if we if we do away with the illusion of free will but it also betrays a sense of entitlement and mm-hmm. privilege mm-hmm. 
that they that they think well no there we have to have a compatibilist view because the the playing field is level everybody everybody starts from the same spot everybody has the same advantages everybody has the same choices that they could make to improve their lives and we know that's not the fucking case and to me that in itself is a good argument for determinism right that you don't start with an even playing field you don't have all of the same choices available to you you have your life determined by both your biology and the experiences that are available to you the ones that you've had already and the ones that are available to you now right yep um so i have a couple i i haven't even been going off my notes but (laughs) (laughs) i have there's so there's a couple of i'll get back to this one but I, i actually do have notes in here from on compatibilism. So I must have been doing this while I was uh, listening to Dennett or something. I don't remember writing it, but I'll just read what I have written. And I don't know, maybe it'll be bullshit, but we can talk about it. Okay. Uh, I have it written as compatibilism, parentheses, have your cake and eat it too ism, seems to be a dismissal of the source of our desires. If a murderer kills because they enjoy that activity and have a desire to kill, that's all you need. Apparently, right? Yeah. Um, but where do those desires come from in the first place? Well, you uh, don't have to take into account any of their humanity. They're just an evil, bad person that you need to lock right. away. Right. But but if we aren't the author of those desires, which we aren't, um, then it's determined, not compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, in a sense, just along for the ride while our brain makes decisions to maintain a specific heart rate, produce a set, a set amount of blood and semen, et cetera. Uh, and so it is with making choices, right? Or it seems to be. Why would it be different? Right? Um, it's just that choices, unlike blood, is done in an area of the body that's charged with the responsibility of gathering information about the world and in doing so observes the thoughts and quote unquote choices that are being made. So making blood as a biological function, um, as a biological function, doesn't press on our experience as humans where this observing of, of our thoughts does creating the sense of being the architect. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, That's why there isn't a debate about whether or not our heart rate is our choice or whether it's determined. Um, A person with high blood pressure isn't making that decision. Well, they could lead a a healthier lifestyle, Matt. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, They would have that choice. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess people would say that. God damn it. Um, actually, wait, that just reminds me. I have a note in here. I think there's a part of this we might not agree on. Oh yeah. Let me, so, uh, so do you, so you're a determinist. I'm guess I'm gathering you don't, I I believe so. By the compatibilist argument from the way you laid it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think I, yeah, I, I would say that I am a, a determinist. Yes. I think you, you're in the hard category. Probably. I mean, can you overcome your bio- biology or that's how I see it. Either one of those, compatibilism or libertarian free will, mean, means at least some level of overcoming your biology and mm-hmm. uh, um, but experience. Life experience, yeah. So, <clears throat> so the future is set. No. Okay. How not? Because it's, it's your biology, which we know can change can change depending on your diet, how much sleep you're getting, um, any other outside influences around you. 
We know that even the things that you do and the people that you speak with, the, th- the, 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 the people who you converse with, that you interact with, can all influence the decisions that you make. They can all, they can all guide you either in a good direction or a bad direction. And a lot of even that has to do with your prior interactions and biology and how you accept or reject the subtle or overt influences from those people around you. But whether you accept or reject those is all determined. By other outside influences. And so that's why I say, you know, for people who believe in free will, it's that this person chose to do this bad thing. They need to be punished up. They punished up and (laughs) (laughs) punished up and locked away. No, they need to be punished and locked away. Right. But if you, if you have a more determinist view, you can say that they may not have had a free will choice to do this. Let's look at, let's examine what led them to this point in their lives where this thing happened that was a bad thing. What can we do to influence them going forward to rehabilitate them so that this bad thing won't recur? Okay. So to be, to, to truly have free will requires that, that the individual be the causal agent. Right. So if, if, if it's determined, if things are determined, then biology will just, I'll just use biology as the all encompassing term for everything that leads up to, uh, yeah. Well, uh, and, and to, into determinism because ultimately it is biology. Yeah. Well, and, and real quick, there's, there's a difference between determinist and predetermined and predestined. Right. Those are all Maybe. different things. Okay. Yeah. A determinist is that everything up until that millisecond, your biology and all of your prior life experience has led you to that point and given all of that background information up to that particular nanosecond, if we could reconstruct all of that and know exactly what your biology is, know all of what your life experience is, we could, with 100% accuracy, predict what you would choose if you were given a set of things to pick from. And we could do that with the future, too, if we knew all of the variables. Mm, Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to know all of those variables because you wouldn't know all of the outside influences. You wouldn't know. There aren't an outside. There's no outside. What do you mean there's no outside? (laughs) So I don't know who you're going to talk to tomorrow, how they may influence you. You don't. Do you? No, I don't. I don't necessarily know that either. But I mean, but, but. The biology, right? This encompassing word that I'm using to 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 grab all of the stuff that leads up into decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, what whatever encounters I have tomorrow, um, I don't have a choice in, right? <sighs> because otherwise, you're otherwise you're you're adding a, a some sort of cause a. a agency causation, which brings you out of biology and into libertarian free will. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't have, you don't have, you don't have libertarian free will to choose any of those interactions. I mean, clearly that's the case. Somebody could just wander up to you on the road and say, hi, you don't have any choice in that matter. And neither do they. Right. Yeah. So all of these interactions are determined. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's that person or my, me. It doesn't matter if I know about it. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And that was determined for me and it was determined for the person that walked up to me and it was determined for the people, you know, all of that stuff. Okay. And it has, and, and ad infinitum. Okay. So there, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, what's the conclusion to be drawn from that? Well, what I'm saying is if all those variables could be known, then it oh, could be, man, it but could, I, I, I know. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, these are, you know, impossible numbers, but I mean. And especially for our brains, like I mean, ro- rolling to, the dice. Can you imagine like all of the individual variables that you would have to take into account? I mean, you're talking about weather, biology, geology. Mm-hmm. Everything. Every, 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 everything. Everything. In the, we're talking about everything. like the butterfly effect, right? That if a butterfly flaps its wings, it's going to affect a tornado a half a world away. Yeah, but that's all irrelevant. It doesn't matter how many variables there are. It just, it just, it just. It's sufficient to say that if they were all known, it could be predicted. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll go yeah. with that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just like rolling, just like rolling dice to us seems an awful lot like chance because we can't do the, all those variables at once. But if you could, if you knew the speed of it, the rate of rotation, the way it was going to bounce off, the material was going to bounce, the you know rigidity of the surfaces, all that stuff, you could reliably, humidity, yeah, then, yeah. you could reliably predict. We just can't, we're not capable of doing that. Right. But it, it's true of everything. Yeah. And they, uh, assuming the variables were attainable, right. And we had some ability to calculate it, but Ultimately, that means all of that's predictable. Sure. Even in humans, which seems so unpredictable. So do you think then that some compatibilists could look at that argument and say, that's why I'm not a determinist. That's why I'm a compatibilist. Well, that's because a stupid we would... argument if they do. Well, sure. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would tend to agree with you. But if, if they were to say that because I can never know all of the variables, I can never account for all of the variables. I can't say that I'm a, a determinist. I would have to be a compatibilist. There's room for some freedom in there. You yeah. Mean? Yeah. Um, I still don't. So no, I mean, they could, but I don't see how they, I, I, I wouldn't let them get away with it. I mean, <laughs> uh, so if, I mean, maybe somebody who's listening to this is screaming cause they have a better argument or an answer that they, and please do send it to me. I oh, don't please, know yeah. anything on this subject. I'm just spouting off what I find interesting about what I've learned over the last little while. Yeah. But on that, uh, you know, if there's a little space for freedom somewhere in there, if let's say, let's say I changed, uh, my, I changed myself with Ted Bundy, right? Adam for Adam. We switched at that point. I am Ted Bundy. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So I've changed everything. My entire, all the atomics, everything to, I am Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no room in there for a me. Right. He's me. Right. Now I'm Ted. So, so where is the space for me to decide to do something other than what Ted would have done? There There isn't. isn't. Right. There isn't. So, so the fact that we can't account for all those variables doesn't mean shit because if we scale it down to something we can actually wrap our brains around, like that example of me switching with Ted, you can clearly see there's no room mm-hmm. for a me or a self or anything to do anything differently. I would be Ted. Yeah. Yeah. If if you could exchange, like you said, yourself, Adam for Adam with with him and, and all of his life experience that you would right. you that you would have you would be able to plug into that and, and live that as your own. Yeah. And and then to be able to say that you would act in a way other than he did is just 
you, you can't say that. No. You can't, you can't say that you would have acted dif- you would have acted differently because he didn't act differently. Right. Exactly. Because he couldn't act right. differently, which makes, which is the reason why I wouldn't be able to act differently because I would be him. Right. And he didn't act differently. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and I think that's true. Uh, like I say, ad infinitum, you ex- expand that out and that's the entire future of the universe. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you could take into account all of the billions of it, it, trillions it of variables. Yeah, yeah. It would take in everything. It does. It's going to. Yeah. It's going to account for everything. Yeah. Everything has thus far been accounted for. 10 years ago, you would have said it's impossible to account for all the variables leading up to 2017. And it would be for us, but it's been done. So, but we still, co- I mean, but we still wouldn't be able to go back and examine all of the variables that led to It doesn't matter. It's here. theoretical. Yeah. I'm just saying we don't, right. We don't, we, no, we can't do that, but, but it's all moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and as it goes forward, all of this, all of these, dis- all these quote unquote decisions are coming to fruition and laying the plan of the universe out. Mm-hmm. So you're a hard determinist. And probably a fatal, <laughs> and probably a fatalist as well. A fatalist, yeah. Maybe that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> well, I, um, let me just—that's what I've been talking about for the last like five, ten minutes. That I think you agreed with me or not? I don't know. You might hesitate a little bit on that part. What's that? On the fatalist part. Well, what? It, just, just that—that that the future is also set. It's no, I don't. I don't think we can say that it's set. I think that we could say that if we were to be, if we were able to account for all of the influences and variables in the entire universe, we could chart out what's going to happen. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily, well, I guess. Sure it does. And it doesn't matter whether or not we can do it. It's going to happen. The universe is going to do that. Hmm. Whether we can wrap our brains around, we can't. There's too many. But the, that's what I was just, that's what I've been talking about the last 10 minutes, that all of this is going to unfold and all of these variables are going to come together to be the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, like you said, that you don't know who you're going to run into. No, I don't. But whoever I run into, I didn't choose that. They didn't choose it. Nobody chose any of it. It's all happened. And that's how it's going to be for everyone forever. Hmm. These continued interactions that nobody has any control over, no animals, none of It's just going to happen. And so if we could calculate those variables, which we, we can't, so that's why I bring up the craps example when you roll a dice, that's easier because you can see, oh, it's just a small amount of variables. If And that's even really hard to calculate, if mm. not impossible. Yeah. But if we could, then we, we would be able to predict what's going to happen. We can't possibly understand all the variables, but that's what's going to happen. And so then as a fatalist, would you say that you could be a compatibilist? No. Okay. I don't, I don't even know what that is. I don't, it, it's, I think it's nonsense. I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. But uh, fatalism does tend to come with a, some baggage though, from what I see that it's this kind of this mindset that nothing matters, hmm. which I don't, I don't think that's true necessarily. I think most things don't, but I guess that's an interesting thought experiment. Like if, and maybe that's, maybe that's another reason why I think Dennett is so hesitant to to try to remove the illusion of free will because if you turn toward fatalism and decide that nothing you say or do matters then 
that's just another influence on you, right? We should we should put in a little uh, disclaimer to tell people when to start smoking pot about a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that but, sorry, say that again. Well, but if, if so, maybe that's why he's hesitant to remove the illusion of free will from people, because if you lead them down the road of fatalism, then you're also influencing them, right? So you're you're expanding their horizons, but in so doing, you could possibly or potentially influence them, influence them to come to the realization that nothing they say or do will ultimately matter, and then they become nihilists and fatalists who just decide to yeah, walk so, off walk off of a cliff because so what's a, the point? So he's a real hero for bringing up a subject he doesn't have to talk about <laughs> and then discussing it dishonestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's that's a fun thought experiment. Like, what if you what if you could just remove the illusion of free will from everybody so that they became determinists or fatalists? Would that be a terrible thing? Would people just stop doing anything? Well, I think And I don't think they would, right? Because you would still act in your own best interest. Because if mm-hmm. you're if you're interested in being happy, which most people are, right? Most people want to be happy and content and make other people around them happy. I think that's, I think that's healthy people. A gen- yeah. Well, a, a general rule for most people. Sure. You, you exposing the illusion of free will isn't going to change who they are as a person necessarily. Right. Probably not. Do you think that they would stop acting in their own best interest to be happy and thrive and do what they can to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. They, they don't have a choice. I mean, the brain, <laughs> I mean, literally, brain, yeah. I, I mean, aside, I, that wasn't really just a joke answer. I mean, because, you know, all brains are set up to survive and uh, do it in the most comfortable and best way possible for itself. You know, we're along for the ride and it doesn't really matter how much of that we're aware of, I guess, because clearly we're not aware of a lot of it. Um, so I don't think that, you know, people having a sort of passing familiarity with determinism or fatalism will change the brain chemistry in the sense in a healthy brain to where it's going to want to self-destruct. I think most people will just fucking, it won't matter, shrug their shoulders anyway and be like, I don't fucking have time for that nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Leave that to philosophers and fucking... People who just want to sit around and think about and shit. Podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would affect a whole lot of people, but I think, like I, like I said before, I think when it comes to Dennett, and this is just like I, like I've said, it's just from what I've heard him say. I haven't read his, I haven't read his work on the topic, but from what I've picked up from hearing him talk about it, it's that he's more afraid of the social implications than he is of speaking the truth about it. Well, then it, yeah, then it has nothing to do with truth. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that when it comes to what I've heard him say, it, it doesn't matter. He's more interested in doing what he thinks may be best ultimately versus what is true, if hmm. that makes sense. Hmm. Maybe. Well, I mean, do you want to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we can end it there for for the free will thing. But I I would love to hear from our listeners and know what they think about free will. If they want us to talk about it more, if they are just 
slamming their heads on the table every time we talk about free will. <laughs> There's probably going to be a fair number of people that just skip this episode entirely. Yeah, that could be. But it's it's something that I like talking about. I I for a, for a long time when I first came out of the atheist closet and was a was but a wee baby atheist, I thought philosophy's stupid. A lot of people, that's just a bunch of guys sitting around thinking about shit, right? It like, doesn't fucking matter. Science is where it's at. And fucking cultural stuff doesn't have any relevance. Anthropology, what the fuck? History, that doesn't matter. What can science tell us now? And I've, over the years, really, really shifted my position there because what we know now is influenced by history and emotion and philosophy and culture and anthropology and geology. You have to take into account the entire breadth and depth of human existence in order to understand where you are. Now you can't just say, well, is it testable and verifiable? And if so, then blah, blah, because all of that even is influenced by our prior history to get to where we are now. And with a deeper understanding of our past and our culture, and our culture, culture, but with a deeper which is, understanding which of is Swedish, by the way, <laughs> with culture, a, with a deeper understanding of our past and our culture, and the, and indeed the cultures of civilizations past and cultures around the world, and bringing in that diversity and understanding of different of the way different people think about different things, we can better chart a course on how to improve everything for everybody. I should have said this at the top, but. I don't know, maybe we can put it in there, but because nobody's going to hear this if they've already turned, you know, if they've already decided they don't want to hear this, but, um, or, but the thing is this doing this podcast is, it does take a toll, at least on me. I know that, um, my blood pressure can't be good (laughs) And, and, and I'm sure if you listen with any regularity, you probably already know that, but. Sometimes it's just nice to have a week where I don't have to, I mean, Trump is fucking exhausting Mm -hmm. and keeping up with that and, and, and all the fucking bullshit. It takes a toll for sure. All the, yeah, all the bullshit Christian stuff that they're just trying to ram through constantly. No thought for anybody else. You know, it's getting, seems to be getting worse. The divide is greater. Uh, Stress is high. And so doing a, doing a show uh, every week where I'm obligated to keep on top of that stuff and just stay continually pissed about things that are going on. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice to just have a break show once in a while where we can just explore other topics and, and have a more relaxed conversation. Um, like we did with Taylor Grin, And that was a really good, uh, uh, fun episode that we, where we talked to him in the Patreon portion about, uh, punching Nazis. And if you yeah. haven't listened to it, you should become a Patreon patron and do that. But, uh, so these kinds of shows are beneficial for me anyway, mm. uh, once in a while. And so I appreciate you, uh, indulging me and allowing me that time. No, fuck you. I mean, that was <laughs> <laughs> entirely appropriate response. <laughs> and I have just learned to never open up again. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I know. I, I meant to say, I meant to say, no, fucking, this is awesome. Thank you. Not, <laughs> no, fuck you. <laughs> no, you know, I love fucking talking about yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, no, thank you for the opportunity to do it. And just a very, very rare <laughs> moment of semi warm heartedness from me. No, fuck you. No, fuck <laughs> it's you. kind of funny. <laughs> no, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, but yeah, and, and the conversation with Taylor was awesome too. Yeah. Uh, God, we have so much new stuff. I know. But you said, 
how exhausting it can be to try to keep on top of this. And I think we see that, uh, well, I know that I've noticed it, especially as of late, like all of the terrible stuff that the administration is doing day after day after mm-hmm. day after day, the shootings that we see, yep. you know, at least once, once or twice per week. Yep. Like how, how there are still people in Puerto Rico that have no power, no housing. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, he, it's just, I mean, it, it's, and, and trying to keep tr- the, here's the, here's, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I, I just Go. mean like, you know, um, if, if we didn't have a show to do, there would be some place in my brain to just store that away. Whatever. Like, yeah, of course it's fucking Trump. What a piece of shit. But I have to kind of try to you know, keep it together in some place at the forefront, like all of the bullshit that he's like, you know, uh, you, you got to try to keep the Russia stuff, you know, cause people are going to defend him and say, well, it's just like Obama. We hated Obama. We got to, you know, and we got to come up with, with reasons or, or at least explain why Trump is such a, te- the worst president of all time. You know, the Russia stuff, the Puerto Rico stuff, the golfing, the, the executive orders. I mean, it's just every day is just the, 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 the sexual assault bragging about it. The, the way he talks to foreign leaders, um, his narcissism, his tweeting, uh, you know, I mean, just his attack on free press. We have to keep all, all of this stuff near the front to be able to, to talk about it and have, and it's just, it's, hard to hold all of that stuff there and then still do other things. I have to go to work, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway. Well, I was going to say, I, I see it all the time now. That I don't know why I'm bitching to our listeners who support us. <laughs> just. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I see it all the time now that, you know, when Trump first took office, my Facebook feed was full of people resist and, you know, yeah. fight the power and Trump is awful and here's why. And, and it's just, it's slowly petered off. You know, people just, they, they don't talk about it as much anymore. They don't, they don't post about it. They don't, there, there's not the same level of outrage when the same level of bullshit is still coming out. I know. But there, you know, people just, and it's gotta be a, a self protection Mm -hmm. mechanism, right? That you just, at some point you have to shut down or tune out for a little while. Yeah. Because it just, it gets to be too much. It and is too much, yeah. It gets to be too much and you feel like you're just spinning your wheels and you, and, and you're, you, the, the whole enterprise is just a pointless endeavor, right? Yeah. So you do just step back from it for a little while. And I, and I have noticed that a whole lot lately. Mm-hmm. The people just aren't talking about stuff the way that they were in January and February and March. But the good thing is we're seeing we we are seeing it happen in Virginia and New York where it matters, you know, like the they're they're punching him in his in the ballot, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're we're facing one of well there there's a couple of ways this could go. I mean, I there's a chance he gets reelected. I know you think that's no there's no fucking way ever, but mm-hmm. um I don't think that's impossible, but I think we're either facing a burnout. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's very very unlikely. Yeah. But of course, I fucking, yeah, I thought I it was very unlikely that he would become president. So. Yeah, I know. I think I think we're gonna get burnt out. Like he's so he's so he takes so much energy. I think everyone's gonna be so sick and tired that uh, they're just gonna vote for anyone else, you know, or uh, or just not vote at all and let no. I mean, or uh, allow his base to or it be or to keep him in office or this becomes the new normal. Yeah, God, I. Fucking shoot me now. 
if that's if this is the new normal yeah that's i i i just i can't I I can't I can't deal with that. Like I can't I can't fucking deal with that. If this is the new normal, like society is supposed to be progressing and getting better, and to say that this would be the new normal, well, it's getting that's be- fucking all right. Just I'm gonna set the house on fire and fucking. It's getting better. Move for the to alt- a cave right. somewhere. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. But I'm gonna make an executive decision. You feel free to override me if you want. <laughs> but we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about that I want yeah. everybody to be able to hear. We're already way past time on the regular portion of the show where we would be moving into the Patreon portion of the show. But I think because we're not going to be recording next week, we're, oh, yeah, sure. we're doing, we'll just make this, we, we won't have necessarily a, a Patreon portion. I mean, we might have a little bit, but we still have a bunch of other stuff that I wanted everybody to be able to hear and we can just make this a little bit longer episode for all of the peoples and our Patreon supporters will of course get it before everybody else. But I want other people to hear about other stuff that's going on as well. So let's talk about that. Okay. Hey, this is Taylor Grin from grinandbearint.com where we do news analysis and commentary and you're listening to Godless Revolution. Here's just one. There are many examples of the way the Christian God has been defined which cancel themselves out. For example, God is defined as a being with free will who knows everything. He knows the future. God not only knows the past, and I'm assuming this is the kind of definition that you hold. You'll correct me if I'm wrong because you haven't told us yet. But God not only knows the past and the present, but he also knows the future, which means he also knows his own future decisions. God knows what he's going to do tomorrow at 12 noon because he's God. He knows everything. But if you know what's going to happen in the future, that puts some limits on your power, doesn't it? How can you be omnipotent and unable to change what's going to happen between now and then? And if you do change it, then you weren't omniscient. Something's got to give. You can't be omniscient and have free will at the same time. To have free will, whatever that means with humans, and maybe we do or don't, that's a different debate. But certainly if God has free will, it's a full libertarian free will, and he can do whatever he wants because he's God, right? If God has free will, then he can't know the future. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. We have a nice roll-up of a lot of the recent political news about Trump administration and other fuckings going on <laughs> lately from com. our friend Taylor Grin and his friend Bear. Because we've run over, I, I'm not going to address a lot of the first part of his post, which I think is brilliant and thoughtful and very compassionate uh, dealing with the the passing or the, or the one-year anniversary of the passing of a mutual friend, I'll be sure to include a link to this particular post in the show notes. I really don't know what else to say about that, other than that I, I would encourage everybody to go and read the, the full post, primarily the first part that we're not going to address in the show, but it's very important, and I think everybody should read it nonetheless. But because we've run over... I I want to get right into the news primarily, and so I'm going to start at, at the bit of his post where it says, okay, on to the news. A lot has happened this week. Hell, a lot happened last night. Let's get into it. 
The Atlantic published an article Monday night showing communications between Trump Jr. and the WikiLeaks Twitter account. Mm -hmm. Like when news of his meeting with Natalia Veselitskaya, once news broke of the communications, Trump Jr. quickly released screenshots of them. While it does appear the conversation was largely one-sided, the activity does not appear to be. Taylor recommends that you read the article, which he doesn't want to post in full here. But at the midway point, several communications between WikiLeaks and Trump Jr. are highlighted. What is interesting about these communications is the degree to which plausible deniability is maintained. Hmm. When one or the other requests something of each other, no real direct response is given, but functionally equivalent actions are taken. One example is WikiLeaks' request that Trump Jr. share a specific website. Jr. doesn't share this website, but within 15 minutes of that exchange, he tweets that people don't pay enough attention to WikiLeaks, and two days later he did share the link. What's really important to take away from this story is the fact that WikiLeaks is not a neutral player. Mm. Quote, if we publish a fragment of Trump Sr.'s tax returns, it will dramatically improve the perception of our impartiality, WikiLeaks explained. So they're trying to build in this, this whole idea that, oh no, we're, we're impartial. We're just reporting the news that's out there or, mm -hmm. or that we come in contact with. We don't have a particular side that we want to promote or sustain with the, with the work that we're doing. We're completely impartial, which is totally bullshit. While, while they're withholding information. And, right. Yeah. And only reporting bad information mm -hmm. on one side of the house. Mm-hmm. That means that the vast amount of stuff that we publish on Clinton will have much higher impact because it won't be perceived as coming from a pro-Trump, pro-Russia source. <laughs> exactly. They have a fucking agenda and they want to maintain that agenda while also trying to maintain an air of impartiality. That is fucking sinister. Yeah, it is. It's totally fucking sinister and it's what they did and it's what so many people bought into. Some have made the argument that WikiLeaks was merely worried about perception, not exposing that they actually possessed a pro-Trump, pro-Russia bias. However, this argument is unfounded. WikiLeaks, to our knowledge, has not at any point reached out to the Clinton camp to play their field, so any perception there also reflects reality. They were giving the Trump campaign preferential access and coverage, which they absolutely were. On to news of Roy Moore. Roy Moore has now been accused of sexual harassment or assault by five women who were in their mid-teens at the time while he was in his 30s. The most recent revelation, which Moore denied, included his signature in a yearbook. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? Yeah. It's something like, oh, you're to the prettiest girl in the school or some shit like that. Like, fucking creepy and from then, a 30-something-year-old dude. And then Roy Moore, district attorney. Yeah. Yeah, Fuck had to off. include that little bit. <clears throat> When the Washington Post ran the first story without, with the prior four women, Breitbart attempted to scoop and deflect after Washington Post's request for comment was forwarded onto them. There is presently an information campaign to discredit the women and the Post. Though congressional Republicans have publicly disavowed more, quite a few of them anyway, uh, as of the time of writing, the RNC and local GOP campaign offices are still spending money on Moore's campaign and their, and their operatives are still assisting him. So they've, you know, a lot of the Republicans in Congress have said, oh, well, if these allegations are true, then they would be disqualifying and Moore should step aside. He, he won't be accepted here in the Senate. There's even been talk of him not being seated in the Senate. Hmm. 
And so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out if he does win the election to see how many Republicans actually say, no, you're not going to be part of the Senate. I have a guess. Zero. (laughs) Well, it would be. They're not just going to decide to grow a pair right now. I think the last time this is coming, this is just a bit of my memory from watching uh, Rachel Maddow episode yesterday or the day before. But I think if they, if he does win the election, then they do not seat him. It would be the first time since like 1895 that that has happened. Yeah. And this is, and this is relying on the. Uh, already sitting Republicans to have uh, a lot of integrity. Right. And we know that they don't. No, I mean, they fucking don't. I mean, they're saying the same shit about, they're, they're saying this about Roy Moore, but they're not saying that about Donald Trump, who's accused of much of the same things that Roy Moore is being accused of. Well, they all fought against, all of these same people we're talking about, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, all these guys, were saying all the same kind of stuff about Trump when he was running. You know, and trying to distance themselves. And then as soon as he came to the Oval Office, they couldn't get on their knees fast enough for him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and even even people like, you know, the the now great Jeff Flake, who made his flowery <laughs> speech, yes. who also voted with Trump 99% of the fucking time yeah. and still to this day will vote with him. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can say whatever the fuck you want and as part of your speech when you're not going to be in office anymore because you're not going to run. Yeah. But. When it's no risk. But yeah, your your actions betray your words, mm-hmm. Mr. Flake. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, meanwhile, locals are saying that his behavior is a known factor and that a local man, or uh, I'm sorry, and that a local mall barred his entry because of advances on teen girls in the past. We're still trying to determine if a supposed letter of support for more by local pastors was a forgery. It's amazing that, you know, this, all of this stuff has been going on in Alabama for so long that everyone down there, oh yeah, that's just old Roy Moore. That's just how he is. What the fuck have you been doing about it? That's just how it goes. Yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that there was any question about the authenticity of the letter of pastor support for him. Uh, everything that I've seen has just accepted it as, yeah, this is what has happened is that all of these pastors are now, you know, endorsing and voicing their support for Roy Moore. But Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard that there's any question of its authenticity or that it was possibly a forgery. So thanks. That's, that's new news. Uh, in reporting based on leaked info from a call between McConnell and Pence, the GOP may attempt to appoint Jeff Sessions through the Alabama, through the Alabama governor back in his old position, both sidestepping the Moore question and opening up the AG position for someone not recused from the Trump-Russia investigation. Oh, God. That's an interesting twist. Uh-huh. I hadn't heard anything about that. This is the kind of shit that I go to grin and tell, <laughs> grin and Barrent. Grin and Barrent.com for this kind of information because uh, I hadn't heard any of that. Grin and Barrent.com. <laughs> uh, another, just a quick thing. That is fascinating and, uh, and, uh, just just another one of the the things in which the Trump administration can do that isn't technically illegal but is incredibly unethical that no you know no other administrations like even have flirted with how much they can get away with getting away with stuff right and here we have another example of of another move that they could possibly make that wouldn't technically be illegal but would be completely side- sidestepping the law and their ethical responsibilities mm-hmm. in order to continue their corruption we all know that they're doing. Mm-hmm. But one more thing, 
on the Roy Moore allegations and all that, you know, it's like yeah. coming after, I mean, obviously Bill Cosby was a while ago, but since then it's just been a ton of them, you know, including, you know, Kevin Spacey and Louis CK and so on and so forth. And, uh, you see all over Facebook, you know, that's like you know, guys are posting, God, is it just fucking everybody and women collectively? Yeah. Yeah. It it's is. fucking all men. Yeah. We, we, how, we, how long have we been telling you that? Yeah. Yeah. Way too fucking many people. I was so disappointed when I heard the revelations about Louis CK. And when I, when I saw his admissions slash half apology, I, I thought, well, it's good. He's owning up to what he's done, but nowhere in it does he actually apologize. And it wasn't until these women came forward and put the spotlight on him that he said anything like he would have just lived the rest of his life, not saying anything about it, not owning up to his actions. Had these women not stepped forward and called him out on it publicly. Potentially. Yeah. You know, which is really disheartening, especially when not only did he not say anything before they came out, but I've seen clips of him specifically denying rumors and rumors and allegations about him acting inappropriately that, oh no, that, that, that never happened. That that's not true. Well, we know that it is true through his own admission now and the, the brave women that have come forward to let everybody else know about the shitty things that he was doing. So I'm, I'm very sorry that all of them had to go through that. I really appreciate their, their bravery and honesty in, in stepping forward and all the men, you mean, that are being accused? <laughs> no, all the women who are stepping forward to say, hey, this guy has acted inappropriately. Everybody should know about it so that he doesn't continue being able to victimize people as easily as he has in the past. Uh, speaking of Jeff, Jeff Sessions, he had a really bad day. This is continuing the coverage from Grin and Barrett. There's a lot to take away from his, judici from his judiciary hearing today. Here are the highlights. I watched some of this during lunch today, and I know I, I I chatted with Taylor a little bit about it uh, when he said that he was creating this write-up, and I said that you know I watched a little bit of it, and it seems that Sessions just lives in his own reality, mm -hmm. that he's created a world in which anything he says and does is just fine, and. Of course, I didn't mention that because I didn't think I had to because it's just part of my regular routine and daily stuff. Like, why would I have to mention that? Uh, there, there was a particular bit of the questioning that I, that I saw and maybe it's addressed here. I, I, I'm not sure we might get into it, but, um, one of the, one of the people who was questioning him said, okay, well, you filled out this form that says, have you in the last seven years had any contact with operatives of foreign governments? And you answered no. And you've since admitted that you have had contacts with representatives of foreign governments. You know, so were you lying then mm. or are you lying now? And Jeff Sessions' answer was, well, you know, just in my regular performance of job duties as a congressman, of course I'm going to be meeting with different people and everything. And the guy, the guy questioning him said, okay, well, but that, that, isn't part of the question that you answered on this form. The form doesn't say, you know, as part of your regular duties, have you met with anybody in right. the last seven years? It's just, have you met with anybody in the last seven years? And you said no. Mm. So you lied. Yep. 
It was an interesting exchange. Uh, the article on Grin and Barron says Senator Jeff, Senator Jeffries started by establishing that Sessions claimed he didn't recall the answer to various questions dozens of times during his appearances before Congress as Attorney General. Jeffries then summarized Sessions' comments to Fox Business host Lou Dobbs, one of my favorite people, mm. on October 4th, one of Donald Trump's favorite people yeah. for all the softball questions yeah. he gives him. On October 4th, 2016, in which he blasted Hillary Clinton for the exact same behavior, suggesting that it could be criminal. Uh The same senator cut off Sessions repeatedly, and when Sessions attempted to ask if his behavior was improper, he said, You understand that in this capacity, I ask the questions, you provide the answers, you are no longer a senator. It was one of the few times Sessions stopped smiling. Senator Ted Liu said, that is exactly the opposite answer you gave under oath to the U.S. Senate, referencing Sessions' January 10th confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Quote, either you're lying to the U.S. Senate or you're lying to the U.S. House of Representatives. He did not remember talking to Carter Page, a former foreign policy advisor to Trump, who has said he told Sessions about a planned trip to Moscow. Sessions said he only recently recalled a meeting during the 2016 presidential election in which George Papadopoulos, a foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump's campaign, disclosed his contacts with Russians. Papadopoulos is the guy who was recently indicted and pled guilty to, ah, shit, I can't even remember exactly what he pled guilty to. Anyway, he's a bad dude. Sessions also appeared to suggest there there was not enough basis to appoint a special counsel to investigate Hillary Clinton a day after the Department of Defense confirmed the attorney general had authorized senior prosecutors to evaluate an inquiry into the Clinton Foundation. And that's over the whole Uranium One bullshit. Wasn't it lying to federal agents? Wasn't that what is Papadopoulos? Uh, yes. Yeah. I think of lying to the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That was it. But so thank you very much, Taylor. Uh, I will be sure to post a link to this in the show notes for this episode. We'll get on to some other stuff. Hi, this is Thomas Westbrook, and I have a YouTube channel called Holy Kool-Aid, where I take topics and I break them down in five or ten minute videos, trying to give a laser-focused perspective on religion, philosophy, and science. And you are listening to the Godless Revolution podcast. So right now, there are three people from the Trump campaign facing serious charges about their entanglements overseas. And in all three cases, Trump's pushback has basically been, I don't know anything about the people I should have known those things about. And that is his signature move. He is playing the Trump card. And what I mean by that is he's using his own incompetence as a defense. It's the same way that you might excuse the behavior of a dog or a small child. If you found your dog pissing on a rug and then your uh, your child urinating on the dog, you would think, yeah, I'm annoyed, but they're idiots who don't know what they're doing, so they get to walk away from this one. That is the Trump card. And the worrying thing here is it may work for Trump because Think about what the counter-argument may have to be. This is a meticulous man who made strategic decisions fully aware of the consequences of his actions. That could be a tough case to make, but we cannot accept the Trump card as his defense here. Because if we do, just think about what we would actually be saying there. We'd be saying, look, 
This guy is too dumb to really understand what he's doing, so I guess we have no choice but to let him keep being president. Please, let's not do that. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! You brought some things for us to talk about, some news items, I believe, Mr. Machu. Yeah, this will be, uh, this will be good. Okay. Only hours after First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs was ravaged by one of the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said on Fox News that arming some of the parishioners or the congregation could help stop similar attacks from occurring in the future. Yeah, because I'm sure none of them were armed there in rural Texas. More guns, more guns. A state law put into effect in September made it legal for churches to have armed volunteer guards, but the law's author says many churches in Texas don't know it's an option. Uh, State Representative Matt Rinaldi uh, said he was inspired to submit a bill to the legislator after discovering that though existing law that the... that though the existing law had allowed congregants with licenses to carry to bring firearms into houses of worship, they weren't allowed to conduct security functions. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Why, why would they, why would they? So he's trying to put forward the case that even though people knew they could bring guns into a church, that they wouldn't know that they could act as secure. Like why the fuck would they be bringing guns into the fucking church then? Yeah, I don't know. Um, he says, quote, my wife and I were doing church security at the St. Anne's Carnival Carnival over by us. <laughs> he says that over by us. What the fuck? Dude, do you know you're being interviewed? Down to our house. My wife and I were doing, secure, doing church security at the St. Anne's Carnival over by us where unarmed security were looking for lost children and making sure everything was being run smoothly. And afterwards, I was looking at the occupational licensing laws, looking to see which ones didn't make sense. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and I found out uh, what we were doing and what the church was doing was illegal under current Texas law. Rinaldi said churches would would have either had to con- contract private security firms or obtain $400 letter of authority from the state to create volunteer security teams. Well, that doesn't seem very fucking hard. No, it doesn't seem very hard. So your church doesn't have 400 bucks? Well, it sounds like the new law may have granted special powers to people yeah, in so, churches. So that the church doesn't have to pay the money, probably. Yeah, well, well, but I mean that, you know, acting as security that they could detain people, you know, that they would have some sort of special police yeah, type yeah, powers. Yeah, right, maybe. Right. Because- Instead of just being, you know, Joe Blow with a gun. Then they get to be cops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We've seen churches being targeted time and time again. All over the place. The funny thing is. You'd think God would do something about that. The funny thing is like they, they, they're, yeah, people are getting killed in churches, but like not more than, uh, you know, probably any other places. Yeah. You know, I mean, what about like it? entertainment venues like in vegas and orlando grade schools grade schools yeah um and it doesn't make sense that they can't protect themselves without hiring private security which a lot of small churches don't have the funds to do bull fucking shit they don't 
Mm-hmm. And also, too fucking bad. They don't even pay taxes. We're ex- we don't get breaks because we can't afford it. We just have to either pay it or don't get it. Dude, I'm a federal employee and we don't have security where I work. Well, I mean, just for anything. That's how everything works. You can either afford it or you don't fucking get it. Yeah. And we pay our taxes. Churches don't have to pay taxes. And now they can't afford it, they say, even after not paying taxes. And they're still going to get it anyway. Hmm. Fuck this. As you can tell, I haven't read this before. <laughs> no, I printed it out and brought it. Uh, Rinaldi said that after the measure passed, he notified every church in his district that they had the option for volunteer security. They were ta- they were talking on Fox News as if the bill didn't pass, so I think it's important we get the word out that the law did change, he said. While opponents of the law feared the law would lead to the creation of untrained militias to guard churches, Rinaldi said congregants still need licenses to carry in order to have guns in church. So fucking what? Yeah. You're exactly what you're going to have is untrained militias walking around. Uh, quote, before the law was passed, individuals in church could, could still carry, Rinaldi said. What this allows the church to do, which I think is safer, is identify who those people are and coordinate so that everyone knows who's providing security. They couldn't have done that before. I just know. told everybody, hey, 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 y'all, Arlo over there, he's got a gun. <laughs> he's going to make sure that no bad guy comes in here and fucks with us all, okay? I'm sorry I said fuck. I know this is the house of the Lord, but we just want to make sure that Arlo and, and knows and that y'all know that Arlo's here for your protection. Mm-hmm. No, but it's it's exactly what, I is exactly what I thought he was getting to, which is another workaround so churches don't have to pay. Yeah. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Gun regulation advocates, however, have argued that arming more people in churches will not deter future shooters. Um, Jill Switzer, executive director of gun, uh, Texas gun sense, uh, said the data does not support the notion that an armed person could stop a mass shooting. She added, law enforcement officers often tell her organization that it can be difficult to determine who's the assailant during an attack when everyone has a gun. Uh, Yeah. Quote, people should be safe and comfortable in their places of worship, Switzer said. We do know that there are effective ways of reducing gun violence. Definitely not arming more folks. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because when shit pops off, how do you know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? If a cop shows up on scene and he sees three or four people shooting at each other, how does he know who's good and who's bad? Uh, by race. <laughs> <laughs> the darker you are, the worse you are? Is that how that works? I think so. Oh, okay. Well, that's how the Mormons do it anyway, right? Like, because as yeah. you as you accept the church's teachings and, and start living a faithful life, you become more white and delightsome? Mm, yeah, correct. Mm, okay. I got gotcha. you. Uh, so this one's weird. I doesn't really have anything to do with atheism, but. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's just a random thing that I thought was odd in the news. Starting January 1st, it will no longer be a felony in California to knowingly expose a sexual partner to HIV with the intent of transmitting the virus. What? Really? Yeah. It's from CNN. That you can, the like, you, that it's not a crime to knowingly transmit AIDS to somebody? Governor Jerry Brown signed legislation Friday that lowers the offense to a misdemeanor. The California legislature passed State Bill 
239 in September, the law previously punished people who intentionally exposed or infected others with HIV by up to eight years in prison. The new legislation over the lower jail time to the maximum of six of six months. Can will you read lo- the, it will lower it to. Can you read the very first bit of that again? The law, pre- the law previously pre. Geez, nope, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like like the very top of the thing where you said that they're doing away with it. Like oh, the, the ver- first line. The very, yeah, the very first. Starting January first, it will no longer be a felony in California to knowingly expose a sexual partner to HIV. With the intent of transmitting the virus. To knowingly expose with the intent. To transmit the virus. I mean, it seems like you could do away with either knowingly or intent, and it would still be okay. But to to do away with knowingly and intent? That just seems wrongheaded. Yeah. I don't know. How I mean, works. like, what that... Basically, then, like, I could... if I If I had HIV or AIDS, I could insert a needle into my arm, withdraw blood, and go and inject somebody. I gave you AIDS, and it's no longer a crime. Well, it might be a misdemeanor now instead of a felony. Hmm. It does specifically say a sexual partner. Oh. Let me say... <laughs> Come here, I'll suck your dick if you, if you let me <laughs> inject this <laughs> into some part of your body. <laughs> Interesting. Go on. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's all right. I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> uh, the new law will also eliminate the penalty for knowingly donating HIV-infected blood. This action is a felony under current law and will be decriminalized starting in January. Supporters of the charge argue the previous law was antiquated because all donated blood is tested for HIV. Mm. Bill sponsors Senator Scott Weiner and Assemblyman Todd Gloria... I was just going to say, I, I I can see the blood donation part because... They're just going to dispose of it anyway. Right, yeah. And in some settings, you don't you may not want to alert other people that you... You, you, you don't... It's, it's your body, your blood. You may go into a donation center not wanting everybody else to know that you have HIV or AIDS. And so you want that cover of still being able to donate, knowing that they're going to test it and will reject it or throw it away. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to necessarily announce to the world, well, I'm not going to donate because I have AIDS. Mm-hmm. So I get that. And that's fine. Um, yeah. So the bill sponsors, uh, Scott Weiner, Todd Gloria, both Democrats, argued California law was outdated and stigmatized people living with a- HIV, especially given recent advancements in medicine. Evidence has shown that a person with HIV, uh, HIV who undergoes regular treatment has a negligible chance of spreading the infection to others through sexual contact. The most effective way to reduce HIV infections is to destigmatize HIV, Wiener told CNN. Or no. It's not just destigmatization, it's offering fucking health care for these people. Yeah. If he just said if they have regular treatment for it, if they if they have the means with which to get the treatment, but most people don't. Or a whole fucking lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And so decriminalizing it. And saying that it was antiquated just because, you know, now we've made these technological and scientific healthcare advancements, that's not going to solve the fucking problem of providing the people with the means to have that care available to them. Right. Um, he does go on to say to make people comfortable talking about their infection, get tested, get into treatment. So, I mean, as long as that's available, sure. Yeah, as long as you can afford it. I bet you he's not on the side of doing away with the ACA either, well, but... yeah. 
Uh, Gloria released a statement Friday saying the bill will put the state at the forefront in the fight to stop the spread of HIV. Wiener said by destigmatizing HIV, the bill would encourage people to get tested, which will in turn lower HIV transmission in the state. Um, uh, opposition to the bill. Many Republicans staunchly opposed State Bill 239, saying it would lead to an increase in HIV infections. Senator Jeff Stone voted against the bill and strongly expressed his disapproval in September when the Senate voted on it. Stone, who is also a pharmacist, took aim at Wiener and Gloria's argument (laughs) (laughs) that modern medicine can lower the spread of HIV. And kick you right in the Wiener. Yeah. The senator said three out of four people who are on the prescription medication in the United States do not comply with their doctor's orders on how to take it. If you don't take your AIDS medications, you will allow for some virus to duplicate and show a presence. Then you are able to transmit that disease to an unknowing partner, Stone said on the Senate floor. Stone asked Brown to veto a bill in a letter obtained by CNN. The senator doubled down on on his claim that many people do not properly adhere to their drug treatment. Stone also wrote that the bill runs contrary to the state's responsibility of protecting Californians. Senator Joel Anderson, another Republican who voted against the bill, argued that people infected with HIV could never live their lives to the same extent again. He said it was irresponsible not to disclose the possibility of a life-altering infection. The critical word in the sentence is intentionally, Anderson said in September. When you intentionally put others at risk, you should have responsibility. Right. That's why I say, like, if they could do away with one or the other, either intent or mm-hmm. knowledge or what I can't remember what the two words were, but to do away with both seems just dangerous. Yeah. Um, we're just looking to see if any more of this is important, but um, based on that, I mean, I kind of have to agree with the Republicans on this one. Yeah, I do, too. I, that seems... That seems uh, like putting people in in harm's way without. It, it, there, there's a little bit of like, I can kind of see what's happening, but the the thing is, we're not at the stage where we're ready to move to that yet. Like, w- you know, if we had a nice, isolated, well-controlled population of people living with HIV that were, um, you know, well-medicated you know, we, we, we had health care, at least in some sort of an order that was available for all of these people. Then we could start talking about taking steps to destigmatize, probably. But I mean, I think right now it's we're not really ready to make moves like this. Well, yeah, I mean, even if we had a system in which everybody had access to health care and access to the drugs that they would need to keep the HIV infection in check then you're still saying that, you know, I I have this potentially deadly or crippling disease that if I know I have it and put you in, in harm's way by potentially transmitting it to you through sexual contact, me knowing that I have it, you don't, and I'm not doing anything to protect you from it, that's still a-okay. And I just, I don't, I don't see how that's a thing. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why they would think that that's okay. I know it's bizarre to me too. I mean, I don't I don't live in any communities where stigmatizing HIV is an issue or that it's any I've never talked to anybody who's ever suffered with that or anything. I don't I don't really know, but on the surface it seems a little bizarre. Mhm. Yeah. You got anything else for us? I mean, 
No. Or should we should we wrap it? Yeah. Okay. Wrap it. <laughs> That's what they should do in California if yeah. they're going to be doing this kind of thing. Senator Weiner. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for listening this evening. We appreciate it a whole lot. That will bring the show to a close. And we're not going to do a extra Patreon thing. We'll just we'll release this as an extra long episode for everybody over the holiday week. I hope you all have a fantastic holiday uh, that you get to spend it with the ones that you love and care about and get some time off work to just sit and relax and enjoy some good food and good company. I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be Camille Borowski, Numania, Alan Firth, Gatheist, Larry Wilson, Marius Kott-Butrakowski, Dr. Dan, Matt's boss from the 2SC podcast to whom we pledge loyalty, Janet Uter, Let Them Eat Kofefe, Stephen Andrus, Christy Kalbach, Utah Outcasts, Tim Jacobson, Matt Tuller, Rob Otto, Megan Kennedy, Andrew Vodapich, Brandy Hamrick, Jeremy Goodson, Angelica Pearson, Wes Aaron, Purple Dragon, and Taylor Grin. Thank, Thank you all you. very, 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 very much. I hope you all have a fantastic holiday, Thanksgiving. Indeed. And so until next week. Crucify that like button. Leave a review to achieve nirvana. And you're determined to rate the show five times a day toward free will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody.
he was like, sorry, I've been off Twitter for a couple of days. So, uh, people are destroying their own coffee makers in support of pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. <laughs>